have you been annoyed by Los Angeles and can't find an outlet for your grievances? Other than Reddit, Instagram, Twitter, your friends. Just your yelling family, on a bus. The mayor's office, the mayor's <laughs> house. Um, every Zoom meeting you find yourself on. Every time you see anyone who looked like they might be an elected official. <laughs> well, then here's the episode. Here's the outlet you're looking for. Or maybe you're just screaming into a power outlet. <laughs> for our November episode, which is next month, it's going to be another listener answered episode. So you do all the work for us. I was trying to avoid that. <laughs> so here's the question we want you to answer. We want you to send in your answers to this. What is one thing that annoys you most in Los Angeles? And I'm going to amend that from last time to be specific because we, I get it. You hate everyone not from LA. I get it. You hate traffic. You yeah. hate people who are from LA. I get it. I get it. We're looking for a few more specific things, like something, a word people use. Name oh, names. Yeah. If you have specific things like, oh, this street light is weird. This street light is not weird. This podcast is bad. Not ours. It could be any one of the LA podcasts. One of the this sort. host of this podcast is rude. <laughs> you know, anything like that. Yeah, send us in. If you, the earlier, the better, because we're going to be recording this one a little bit early. So if you yep. can get these sent in to us in the next week or so from this coming out, let's have it. You'll be famous for a month, and then yeah. after that back down to the poorhouse mm -hmm. welcome to comedy in la famous for a month and then you're back down in the comedy poorhouse <laughs> which is you're back to marty's now <laughs> that is the comedy poorhouse <laughs> the, the, the comedy elite what would that be echoes under sunset if that even existed in the last four years since i was last there no uh, <laughs> see i wouldn't even know i spend so much time at marty's so anyway that's what we want from you get that to us uh while we're here hey leave us a review on itunes also support us on patreon for as little as five dollars a month we will send you a handwritten postcard from us every single month you'll be our postcard pal we'll name your name in a non-threatening way yeah for less than five dollars well you could just give us money yeah. i mean that certainly won't annoy us either yeah while we're here follow us on twitter at la meekly instagram la underscore meekly also that's how you can send us the answers is on those instagram or twitter or email us la.meekly at gmail.com Thank, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I don't do transitions anymore. Yeah. I just end I with a weird Nixon. And I fade, a slow fade out. <laughs> I keep doing the impersonation. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. It's Elvis Nixon. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. When they shook hands that time, when he became, what was it, NRA? They Freaky Friday. Yeah, they Freaky Friday. <laughs> so now what's happening, if you're a new listener, uh, we've got an intro coming up. That's mm -hmm. It's just a few minutes of uh, fun. And then uh, the actual episode will start, and then it won't be fun anymore. So we'll see you in a few minutes for no fun. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> Didn't you get the memo? Halloween is cancelled. No, I'm not here to trick or treat. Then why are you wearing a Frankenstein mask? It's an N95 Frankenstein mask. It's all they had at the Spirit Halloween Pharmacy. Oh, yeah? Then why do you have eggs and toilet paper? That's all they had left at the Spirit Grocery Store. Completely unrelated. Okay, so why are you here? Two things. First of all, do you have candy? No. Okay. You're the guy who puts missing people on milk cartons, right? Yes, I'm Harvey Milkman. Well, my friend Greg is missing, and he needs to be found with the help of the only medium I trust anymore. The sight of a milk carton. <gasps> Hurry, to my pen and pad. Okay, describe this fellow to me. Well, he's bald and really tired looking. Uh-huh, okay. And how tall is he? Not at all. He's got this shaky dog quality about him. A real detestable, loathsome kind of guy. He's got this nervousness that's just infectious, and it makes you just want to... 
bully him and his whole family. All right, shaky dog. And this is your friend. No, he's my best friend. And he just has this way of walking down the street next to you that just makes you wonder, like, is he even listening to me? Would I even care if he got hit by a car right now? Let's just keep the descriptions on the physical. He doesn't even wish you happy birthday, even though you bought him a calendar that only has one day on it. (laughs) Oh, and he's lactose intolerant. What? Listen to me. As long as I live, I will never put a lactose intolerant person on the side of a milk garden. Ever. Never, ever, ever. And you know, maybe if he had drank milk, he'd have the keen sensibilities to find his way home. But it makes him so gassy. A small price to pay for the low, low price of milk. Now go get lost. See you on the milk carton. These words powered by milk. Honey, you wouldn't believe this. Some soy boy wanted to be put on the side of a milk carton. Honest to God, a carton of milk. These people get bolder and bolder every year. Now sit back down for dinner. Gladly. Pass me a slice of that cheese curd pie. But honey, you haven't finished your macaroni and cheesecake cheesecake. I'll get to it. You know I like to arrange my bites in order of milk content. Can you pour some heavy cream in my coffee? All right, tell me when. So anywho, this guy is describing his friend, and I'm thinking, there's no way this guy is a milk drinker. And sure enough, the guy is L.I., lactose intolerant. Why would I ever help somebody who doesn't get their calcium from God's white gold? Honey, it's impolite to talk without milk in your mouth. I don't care anymore. I'm just so steamed up. The nerve of that guy. Oh, oh, can you help my friend? I think he had too much margarine on the way to the oat milk store. His last known whereabouts is eating a cheeseless pizza while he uses a cow for beef. (laughs) You're bad. (laughs) Yeah, I'm bad, baby. (laughs) 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 When? Oh, honey, have you read today's carton? The Milkerson's cow has gone missing. Pass me the 110% milk. But honey, you'll go into sensory overload. That milk's reserved for elite detectives and people from Salt Lake City. (sighs) I'm on the case. No milk today. It seems a common sight. But people passing by don't know the reason why. Welcome to one of the many episodes of L.A. Meekly, the <laughs> podcast that'll have you saying, why don't you know what number it is? Why don't you ever know what number it is? <laughs> we do it once a month. It's sequential. I don't know why we can't get it. You know, it'd be better if we had random numbers for it. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to episode two of L.A. Meekly. <laughs> Since this is our new home under this parking structure, yeah. we should just etch it into the walls. You're right. But well, let's wait till my building manager comes by again. And, well, and he's parked right in front yeah, of me. And looking at where you decided to park today. Yeah. Because I told you to. Hey, I don't work for him. I don't live under his that, you know what, rain. You know what I've been saying? He works for me. Yeah. I pay the rent, so he works for me, and yet he does absolutely nothing, and every time I have something for him to do, he says, no, that's your problem. Dude, spank he, his butt. <laughs> I have. That was one of the things he said, that's your problem. Can, can people still, can you hear the guitar riffs? 
I can hear uh, some music. Now it's a ballad. Someone's having a pool party across the river. It's pretty cool. I'm very envious. <laughs> I feel like party. Gatsby looking across the river. At the rock and roll solos. At the rock and roll solo. <laughs> yeah, instead of a green light. It's, it's just Eddie Van Halen's guitar solo. It's Tom Morello wearing a green shirt across <laughs> the LA River. <laughs> I will listen to a guitar solo from Tom Morello and his Wawa Bar all day long, every day, forever. Or my name isn't Jay Gatsby. <laughs> so what? it's, uh, it's October. October. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Yeah, such as it is. Nice. Happy Halloween. The true, the first truly scary Halloween <laughs> since the first one. Since the first one they did after the <laughs> witches killed everybody or whatever they do. We Halloween gotta do this for. again. That's what they said. Same time next year. <laughs> this is great. Uh, I think I just read a headline that the moon is gonna be blue on halloween what? you saw me standing alone without a dream in my heart without a love of my own Crank up that that? Guitar solo. <laughs> can we hear your guitar solo for blue moon you once told me that you would listen to any version of blue moon and yeah. then i sent you a version of the mice from babe singing blue moon <laughs> and i real uh, put you, you to the set uh, yeah yeah you tested me for sure <laughs> called your bluff now didn't i <laughs> i never said i would re-listen to every version of blue moon <laughs> that'll be uh, whatever like it, what can we even go uh, not that i'm saying oh thanks government for not letting us go out like yeah. i don't want to go out on Halloween. I'm not mad at the government. I'm mad at everybody for not staying yeah. home so I could have my Halloween. If we just didn't have 4th of July, we would have had... He's mad. That Tacoma's mad. Mr. Tacoma, what do you think about <laughs> Halloween this year? <laughs> I would gladly have given up 4th of July for a Halloween. Yeah. And that's what how it could have been. But no, I just had to eat all those hot dogs out of my grandma's mouth, didn't I? Let's talk about what we did in the last month before okay. we get to this month. You go first. Oh, wait. First, oh. let's do Patreon people. Oh, wait. That reminds me. What a smooth transition. <laughs> um, we want to thank our new Patreon people next month. Here we go. It's not just Greg's mom this time. What? Carla Weber. Hi. Christopher Green. Mr. Green. Hello. You know, the, he's actually what the light from The Great Gatsby is. Uh, Whoa, you didn't go on. for a clue board game joke. Nah, I'm more of a Monopoly guy. <laughs> and then we have Eric Sheeslow. Hi, Eric. Eric Sheeslow. Mr. Sheeslow, excuse me and, for being informal. Well, he, the next one we have, we know who it is, and it's a fake name. So now I'm wondering if Eric Sheeslow is a fake name also. But I don't think it is. Maybe Carla Weber's a fake name. I don't know. They maybe it all be fake names. Maybe, What's Christopher real? Green, now we are in Clue. Um, he did it. So after Eric Sheeslow, we have Dern Lamppo. <laughs> but I know who you are. You're Matt Brousseau. Yeah, we know you. What do you think you're trying to get away with? We do deep dives on all of our Patreon people. Yeah. We're linked to the FBI through Patreon. We did private investigative classes online through Zoom. We took the Lydia course on how to... Uh, Linda. Li- is it Lydia? No, there's Lydia... Well, who's Lydia? I don't know. The, Lydia, the, the, Lydia the, daughter the tattooed from, lady? The daughter from Beetlejuice? I don't know. <laughs> that's who I take my classes <laughs> from. Yeah, that's Matt Brousseau of Profiles and Eccentricity and we also should, friend we of ours. Should, this is a fantastic podcast. Yeah, I, They give us money, so I guess we see who the actual superb podcast is. Uh, so then we have one more. This person who I thought was related to you. I assume that every Patreon person is related to you. I have a lot of relatives. Sorry, we're, we're going to watch this Jeep hit my car. Oh, that's the Tune person. in next time to find out. Your car isn't there anymore, remember? You had me park in a space that a person no no, no. you park to? next to the space that the giant jeep parks <laughs> you thought i was going to be safe next to a giant jeep you clearly and you've seen jurassic park great <laughs> this is great what a great friendship this is Look, who's the last it's patron? not my car this one is jose gonzalez oh, so hi, you Mr. can gonzalez. understand oh i see which oh uh-huh. yeah I oh, see. I get it. What? I get it. Just because we're both named Gonzalez, suddenly we might know each other, like all the other Gonzalez's. And who just because I know Patreon a slew people. of people named Jose Gonzalez, you think I know this one? I might. I don't know. This particular Jose Gonzalez <laughs> is not related to you, but the rest are. So yeah, those are our new one, two, three, four, five new people this month. That's just, that's that's fun. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Thank you for supporting us. We always yeah, thank uh, you. Appreciate and it. hey, 
the more the merrier. I just ordered way too many postcards printed, so cool. those will be going out, and I, I don't want them sitting on my desk anymore. Oh, yeah. I've almost spilled water on them like three times already, so you better start subscribing. Yeah, the postcards are the problem for being there. <laughs> if the postcards there. weren't there, I wouldn't have gotten <laughs> nervous about the postcards and spilled water all over <laughs> The uh, postcards are making me thirsty. Can't you see the correlation between the two things? Because there's so much wood pulp flying they're blocking of them. The, they're blocking the wind. My throat is getting dry. I've got a 20-foot top, like a pillar of like salt, pillar. salt pillars of Gomorrah of postcards and that's how i think of our patreon people my hand smells like vomit i don't know why my mask smells like dog do you do have a dog now i do have a dog now ringo ruiz arzetta gonzalez meekly that's fun so he's partially mine then you get one sixth of him i can only see this investment growing (laughs) so i I accept now let's talk about what we did in the last month of september i'll go first it's just quick i went to i did not go to the 50th anniversary of the chicano moratorium they had on whittier boulevard Uh, what did they have i mean what can you have and during i think they did they had a another march and they had like just information and probably speakers and stuff like that i wasn't around for that but we checked out the mural that they painted i forgot on what street it's off of whittier boulevard near i think it's only like a mile from the silver dollar bar where they shot ruben salazar but isn't that right next to the mariachi plaza no 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 it's it's, no oh i was thinking of m bar (laughs) you are thinking of m bar that's not the place that that's not where they shot ruben salazar (laughs) that's another place now it's really good i think it's chalice now it doesn't matter to you um you don't care about anything um but i checked out the mural they did the Chicano Moratorium mural I, I wish I knew the artist I don't have it offhand but it's fantastic I, you know, I love murals and uh, lots of angles lots of straight lines but uh, it's I on like, a wall <laughs> I've never actually like walked on Whittier Blue before which is crazy like we parked is to that, look at the mural I haven't either but is that one of those streets that like, um, like Van Nuys yeah or, Cruise Night Streets yeah where yeah. it used to be like a big deal and mm-hmm. now it's kind of no it's still a big still deal still a big deal yeah, okay. it's still a main drag of, <laughs> well then what's Van Nuys' excuse it wasn't on Van Nuys it was on Sepulveda my car broke down and I had yeah, to walk to right. the Sepulveda which is like conjoined twin of Van yeah. Nuys Boulevard. It's the older, more mature, like slightly more mature brother of <laughs> Van Nuys. But yeah, anyways, some ladies of the evening rooted me on as I went to go get gas because my car ran out of gas. And they're like, I hope you get where you're going safely. And I said, thank you. This is Sepulveda, though. What happened to you on Whittier? Oh, nothing. <laughs> we, we walked a dog and we checked out the mural and it was fantastic. And I, I wanted to do a mural hunting because we turned the corner and there was a big school there with a, a much bigger mural. And I was much more uh, interested in. Not, I don't Okay. I wasn't much more interested. I was also interested in this mural, but because we did not park and look at it in my head i'm much more interested but i'm not more interested i just wanted to see it more i guess greg really does hate whittier boulevard (laughs) so what i did in the past month my thing was dine la oh that's right you did the dine la i did dine la this year i had to do takeout because again we had we had fourth of july (laughs) why 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 don't you go to restaurants like i do well you've been kind of weird for the last six months what's going on why don't you sit in restaurants (laughs) like i do for the past six months i'm the only one in there they keep yelling at me i guess because they're about to close but i'm the only one in there i Uh, don't know what weird fashion thing happened in the last couple months but everyone's got a lot of plastic i think i think i developed face blindness because everyone seems to have masks all over their faces i don't know if i've talked about dine la before as my thing of the month i i keep a little list but i lost track of it because i stopped keeping the list so i don't know if i've already said it but it's twice a year for two weeks restaurants all over town do set menus so it's like twenty dollars twenty five thirty five yeah. also thirty dollars or fifty dollars some, some of them are sixty dollars but we don't talk about those uh-huh uh, you go to these restaurants and they have a set menu and the best ones will have like like first course, second course, third course, dessert, or first, you 
you know, you'll get a lot of food and it's a good way to try new restaurants. And the one we did this year was Parata, which was in the arts district right next to where we took that famous picture of us sitting at the table downtown. Oh, you told me about that. That's right. Uh, There's a red door. There's a lamp. We're sitting there. I I had hair. I still had the dew of youth all over (laughs) me. But yeah, that's what that was my thing. It was fun to try a new restaurant. Yeah. But again, like I've always been saying, it's not it's never the same to me than sitting down at a restaurant. But it's like some way to support these places and not have to cook for one day. That's always nice. I try to do eating out at least five times a week <laughs> a day five a day. times a week five times a week once every day and so i'm just trying to i'm controlling myself <laughs> I'm just, urges, but. Yeah. i've really cut back from how it was before <laughs> you know like i used to eat at 30 35 sometimes 60 times a week but yeah dine la is fun in any form to yeah. try out a new place one of the finalists because we go through the whole list that they have on like the dine la website yeah. and we narrow it down to like these 40 look good and <laughs> then we slowly over like a week or two narrow it down one of the ones was the dunbar hotel has a restaurant really inside of it and we were gonna do that but we had just like of the four times we've gone to pick up food one of them has been soul food so we wanted to try oh. something different but the restaurant looked very good the done part Dunbar. Fu- the Dunbar had food and you didn't go eat it? I want to sit in the Dunbar uh, and eat the food. I don't want to take it and then leave the Dunbar. Like, I want to go in there, you could pound on every door. Where did, uh, oh God, what's his name? Where did Bird stay? Like, why can't I think of his name? Charlie Parker. Charlie Parker. <laughs> Is Sun Ra here? Where's the bird? Where's the bird? <laughs> Where's Diz? I would like to go there once this is over yeah. to sit and hang out in the Dunbar Hotel. would be nice. Once this is all over. When this is all, we can once all go back to our normal our lives. Normal, our completely We're, normal lives. That was the only interesting thing I did last month. I mean, we're only allowed like a couple things a month that are interesting and fun. Uh, you can't do more than two interesting things a month or else you get coronavirus. You get coronavirus and then another LA landmark shuts down. <laughs> yeah, as punishment. They'll build a Pacific dining car and then take it away. They got a last minute donor. Oh no, it was Monopoly money. <laughs> so yeah, that was last month. Let's do our listener question for this month. Okay. It, it's tied into the month of October. This one is from What I Doodle on My iPad on Hi. Instagram. She has adorable twin babies. She does have adorable twin babies and she sent us a video she played the la meekly theme song for the babies and they were freaking out (laughs) they're very cute babies so her question is what did people do for halloween during the spanish flu was trick-or-treating a thing and i know you looked into this i know you you lived through this and i was very surprised to find out that the same thing that we're doing this year i'll read what i wrote according to an article from polishnews.com it could have been (laughs) polishnews.com according to an article from (laughs) russianlies.net they were saying that the autumn of 1918 was the second and worst wave of the 1918 flu pandemic, which killed between 50 million and 100 million people worldwide. An article written on October 30th in LA says the flu was under control and expected at the time to subside soon, but the next paragraph basically says flu cases and deaths remained steady. So it didn't like... It's exactly the same. Yeah. What they're well, it didn't get worse. Health commissioner, his last name is Powers. I couldn't find his first name. It's so funny that literally I just told you how many cases yeah. there were today and in the same thing, they're like, well, I think it's getting better. Yeah. They <laughs> must be looking at so much and detached from the numbers corresponding to human lives when they see a small dip or it not grow they're like doing pretty good let's go to the bar let's all have quinceaneras today so the health commissioner at the time he was saying that there are no more cases per day than there was a week ago it is simply being reported by doctors more now than the previous weeks wow like word for word press releases he urged people to stop neighborhood chatting and visiting because it was the only thing that was going to keep on control was limiting spreading and scattering and people just didn't get it in 1918 the advice was to stay home until it passed and they were having a lot of trouble 
Because, you know, 4th of July, Memorial Day weekend's <laughs> around the corner. That being said, Halloween was canceled that year. Canceled being strongly discouraged by uh-huh. health authorities. And it was officially canceled here for like 30 minutes. For 30 then, minutes. And, and then, then, they, then. They, they heard two people like, oh, why? And they're like, okay, All just right. don't do it. On October 31st. <laughs> you Anna, can't not do it, but don't do it. <laughs> we'll hand candy to you if you come up to our door. How about this? To discourage trick-or-treating, the mail delivers candy to every house in the United States. I love it. They become Santa Claus of Halloween. Yeah. And as you predict. They're all Jack Skellingtons. In Santa Ana, the newspaper said, October 31st, noiseless Halloween, by no means heard of one. What? It was weird. And they even they didn't spell one. They put like the number one. Yeah. Children still dressed up, though, even with nowhere to go. It's all spelled in emojis from 1918. I can't decipher these 1918 emojis. Children still dressed up. Eggplants they had nowhere to go. so different. Are you going to keep talking over me or what? Oh, are you talking? This was written on November 4th, 1918 for the LA Times. That flu mask Halloween party didn't come off. <laughs> Everywhere of a flu mask should have been there. A big hall could have been hired and nobody would have recognized anybody the affair would have been novel sanitary and quote-unquote safe why didn't anyone think of it in time so they're saying why didn't we rent a big hall and all wear flu masks and regular masks it would have been fine because that's exactly what they're saying not to do cute 1918 we only get smarter we only get smarter (laughs) it doesn't seem like there was no there wasn't a halloween that year it sounded like kids got dressed up and took pictures i don't know if they took pictures or not but (laughs) they took the hell odd oil paintings made yeah they they just no trick-or-treating that year and then everyone's like why didn't we rent a big hall that's going to be like this year. It's yeah, going to be a lot of kids dressed up and taking pictures all at All dressed up and nowhere to go. Yep. Look, we say that. We know what Halloween's actually going to be like. It's yeah. going to be exactly the same. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> Instead of going trick-or-treating, they're all going to be at bars with their parents. <laughs> Nobody's uh, checking IDs anymore. Kids know that, right? <laughs> Any oh, underage kids oh, listening Ronald this? Reagan's walking in. He's shorter than I remember him. No holiday hurts more than, tr- than Halloween because Halloween is like a month of fun mm-hmm. and we can't do any of it. And it's also the first time in a long time it's going to be cold like yeah. every halloween is like that's the first week that i get yeah. to wear a jacket out <laughs> and i love being out that first week of yep well look if the mail isn't gonna deliver candy to all of our houses i'm hoping everyone just leaves a candy lineup on their driveway and i'm running up and taking it or they can do like an appointment thing like you request candy from this one house they'll give you like oh you're free from, between 8 30 to 9 from 8 30 and 10 seconds to 8 30 and 20 seconds yeah you can we come. do curbside pickup we should develop in time doordash for halloween candy yeah and we're the only ones trick-or-treat Mm -hmm. and it's a dream come true that i've always wanted i have enough costumes to cover me for every house different costume it smells like barbecue i think the guitar solos has ended and now the hamburgers have begun (laughs) this month is it's our october not spooky although you have some spooky stuff mine were kind of creepy i mean they're they creep me out speaking of fall there's mosquitoes flying around now uh i don't know how that has to do with fall but um (laughs) because there's blood because I'm oozing blood the fall right of the now. House of Usher, that's why. God, you never read. Um. Well, we're doing disappearances, unsolved disappearances from Los Angeles history. Mine aren't scary other than just people disappeared and we don't Which know where they scary. are. Which is scary. They make yeah. whole shows called Unsolved yeah. Mysteries about this thing. And you're like, this it's is a little scary. different. These um, are unsolved disappearances. Because usually our October episodes are a Halloween lot of fun. Theme. Themed. So it'd be like Elvira, Vampira. Yeah, graveyard. Graveyards. <laughs> and now it's like, well, as I was typing it up, I'm like, oh, this is more of a December creepy christmas thing but not mine i had a lot of fun with mine i'm gonna start then you yeah, tell you me if this first. is creepy okay okay it was too scary for you <laughs> tell me to stop just raise your left hand like you're at the dentist and i'll stop okay <laughs> just spit into your spit cup and i'll know it's too scary on october 7th 1949 at 5 30 p.m 26 year old Jean spangler leaves the apartment on colgate avenue saying that she was going to meet her ex-husband to talk about child support payments then after that she's gonna go work at the studios no one ever saw her again that's interesting that you decided to start yours the same way of like the mystery the and mystery. now let's unsolve it yeah no, unsolve let's it. unpack this box here <laughs> no let's unsolve it <laughs> so who is gene spangler 
Uh, you didn't do research? Oh, this is, Daniel, you messed up big time this time. This is Ellie Meekly episode final exam. You didn't study? <laughs> Why aren't you wearing pants? <laughs> she You're in the wrong classroom. <laughs> you can't remember your locker combination? I know. The test ended an hour ago. <laughs> You're on stage at an open mic and you don't remember any of your jokes? And you keep trying to riff and no one's laughing? And no one's laughing and you pulling out notes but you can't read them? Because <laughs> you sweat all over them? Because you're so over. sweaty and everyone smells you? I love nightmares. They're great. Um, Happy Halloween. Our, our October episode should have just been nightmares our we nightmare. have. <laughs> nightmares we've had for the past six months gene spengler Mm -hmm. was born in seattle on september 2nd 1923 i'm not quite sure when her family gets to los angeles but she graduates from franklin high in highland park by the time she was done with high school she knew exactly what she wanted to do she was already modeling and dancing in the floating gardens and the earl carroll theater and by 1941 she was scoring some bit parts and extra work in movies and tv she apparently appears in a movie called when my baby smiles at me and another one called chicken every sunday both horrible titles chicken every sunday chicken every sunday which is I imagine it's going to be uh, the title of your eulogy your parents <laughs> that's the motto of Dine LA <laughs> someone also shared a screenshot of her in a Three Stooges short Mummy Dummies Mummy's Dummies mm, that's spooky so she's like walking down the hallway in a swimsuit if you're looking if you are familiar with that if you're looking for racy pictures of women from oh, the missing, 20s, yeah if you're looking 30s. for a screenshot to put on a post office or a milk carton to say this woman's missing that's a good one to have Larry Moe Curly and a missing they? woman <laughs> the fourth stooge Jean was a very beautiful woman a tall statue brunette with willowy hair in an era where it was very popular to be those things so you could see her climbing the ranks and getting better roles one day the next year 1942 when she was 19 years old she marries a plastic manufacturer named dexter banner which is the name of an action hero during the war he was stationed with the army in the south pacific but it wasn't a good marriage and after six months they filed for divorce her accusing him of cruelty he accused her of preferring parties to priorities which is Mm. perfect rhyme scene (laughs) they later found out that during his time in south pacific gene had had an affair with an air corps Air Corps Lieutenant. Whoa, okay. I thought this was where the creepy part comes in. An Air Corps. Air Corps. An Air Bud. Gene and Dexter also continued an on-again, off-again relationship that lasted about five years after they got a divorce, or I guess like through the divorce or something. And during this time when she was also with Dexter, she also had many other relationships with men in Alley and Palm Springs, which if you're a beautiful unmarried woman now, do your thing, whatever. But during all this in 1944, they had a child together, Christine. Their divorce wouldn't be finalized until 1946, so in the meantime, the two entered into a long custody battle over their daughter. Originally, custody was granted to Dexter, but after two years of battling over her, Jean was awarded custody of Christine. A week before her disappearance, she was seen in Palm Springs with a man named David Ogle, or as Mickey Cohen and his associates called him, Little Davey. <laughs> she met him and several other mafia men while working at Florentine Gardens, which was a gangster hangout. I think it was on Hollywood Boulevard. Two days before Jean disappears, Little Davey disappears after being indicted on conspiracy charges. For some reason, I thought that Little Davey was her son, <laughs> and I was like, oh no, he disappeared. Oh no, he's in the He was indicted. <laughs> Start them young. That does smell good. Yeah, it does. This barbecue is really heating up. <laughs> Excuse me. I got to go tell them that across the river. <laughs> Excuse <laughs> me. I left my mask on the other side of the river, but this party's really heating up. Why does my throat hurt? Your guys' throat hurt too? It didn't before I started talking, but now it does. What is it? The 4th of July? <laughs> okay, so let's get there. Jean lived in the Wilshire District, 6216 Colgate Avenue at the Palm Lebre Apartments, along with Christine, her daughter, her mom, Florence, her brother, Edward, and his wife, Jean's sister-in-law, Sophie. On October 7th, her mother's out of town. She has told her sister-in-law that she's going to the farmer's market to meet Dexter talk about an increase in child support payments which he is a week overdue with after that she's going to head to work as an extra for a nighttime shoot so no one would see her till much later that would be incredibly normal if no one saw her for the rest of the night at 5 30 all dolled up and in good spirits she said goodbye to her daughter and family and left 
these moments like that that keep coming up in both of ours of like and this you know this is the last time they ever spoke to anybody yeah it's pretty sad it's very sad and creepy huh (laughs) my left hand isn't up so no (laughs) and of course the omen with wings are here yeah the crows are here that's how you know the story's getting a little (laughs) scary when the next day came and gene wasn't home sophie filed a missing persons report so please start investigating turns out dexter says he did not meet up with gene the previous evening as she had told her sister-in-law he hadn't seen her for a week and police find out while investigating that no studio had plans for spangler that evening Hmm. the screen extras guild also look into it and they have no record of a call for extra work that night Hmm. and neither do the tv studios police spoke with a co-star robert cummings who said in a casual conversation he said that he was in a casual conversation with spangler and she mentioned being in a new romance he asked her if it was serious and she said not exactly but i'm having the time of my life on top of that a friend of Spangler's told investigators that Spangler informed her that she was pregnant before she disappeared. Hmm. Jean's friend, Shirley Ann Morris, told police that she saw Jean with an older man in a sedan on Lancashire Boulevard at 7.40 a.m. an older Thursday. man in a sedan? Yeah. Is that like a... Like a Beach Boy song? Yeah, old man in a sedan. Old man in a sedan. <laughs> you know the little old lady from Pasadena? This is her husband. You know what it's kind about of house they have, what area deal. they're in. He's not home much. He's an old man in a sedan. <laughs> so her friend, Shirley, sees Jean with this older man in a sedan on Lancashire <laughs> 7.40 on the Thursday the one before she disappeared. Like I was saying, I don't know if that's the night before she disappeared or the following week. They brought in Thomas Allery Evans, who was a gambler and ex-bodyguard of Tony the Hat Canero. On I thought suspicion. we were done with these gangster nicknames. Okay, the hat, for listeners who don't remember, is the gangster who had gambling ships off of... Oh, that's the guy? That's the hat. Oh, off wait, the coast. that's the one who might have killed JFK, right? Or wait, what was his name? Tony Canero. I think that's the one that there's a urban legend that he, he killed Kennedy. That his hat has a grassy knoll underneath it. Yeah, they call him the hat because he's like odd job. And he... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's right. <laughs> magic bullet or magic hat? <laughs> no one was looking for a hat, <laughs> were they? Hats couldn't register on 16 millimeter. Back then, you didn't even a background check to buy a hat. You could just get a hat off the Anywhere. rack. Anywhere. 12, 12 gallon, banana clips, whatever you needed on those <laughs> things. You could get a little reporter's feather. Nobody no asked questions. Yeah, no one asked questions. <laughs> no cops would stop you. It was the Wild West. That year, 1960. I don't remember when JFK was 1960 shot. Kennedy. A year that will always remember. The early 60s. <laughs> a year that will live in infamy. Yeah, a year that will live in infamy. The 40s. The greatest generation. Old people. <laughs> Racist old people. So all the stuff about Canero, I don't know. I'll go back and repeat a little bit. They brought in Thomas Allery Evans, who was a gambler and an ex-bodyguard of the hat. They linked this guy with two missing persons. One of them mm. was Spangler. The other one I'll talk about in a little bit, Mimi you can't make fun of this name, okay? You can't do it. It's a missing person. You have to be really sensitive. Fine. Take a deep breath, and I'm going to say it. <sighs> Mimi Boomhauer. <laughs> I didn't laugh at her name. I laughed at your face. You're kidding me. Mimi Boomhauer. And you I can't laugh at it. But, Greg, <laughs> it was on TV for like 12 seasons. <laughs> it's like Boomhauer married what's-her-name from... Mimi Buffet. M- Buffet, yeah. Wait, no, no. That's Phoebe Buffet. Mimi from... from Drew Carey Show. Drew Carey Show. What was her last name? Was her name also Buffet? Is she related to Phoebe? I thought it was Buffet, but I don't... And Is she related to Phoebe from Friends? Oh, my God. She always talked about her twin sister. That's her twin sister. Her twin sister looks nothing That's like Ursula. her. <laughs> Mimi's Ursula. It surprised me Mimi how fast like I Ursula. pulled that name out of my mental Rolodex. <laughs> There's certain things from Friends that have just stuck in our mind. Pivot. Yeah, uh, we were on yeah. a break. Chanandler Bong. Uh, that's yeah. not even a real job. Ursula is your Chanandler Bong. <laughs> now I... Uh, okay, don't distract me from this woman's name being <laughs> Boomhauer by bringing up the Drew Carey show. Hey. I didn't know people's names could be Boomhauer. Does that's that mean Boomhauer's p- last name was Boomhauer, not his first name? I have no idea. Is he related to Phoebe? Are all the blonde people on TV related? <laughs> I think 
They might be. <laughs> I think we're on to something. The ultimate crossover. Uh, Two live three camera live action shows and an animated series that all take place in America, in the South and the East Coast. The greatest country on Earth. North America. Where did you carry take place? Cleveland Rocks. So oh, that's Cleveland. Cleveland Rocks. That's what it was. <laughs> it took place in Cleveland Rocks, uh, whatever <laughs> state Cleveland is in. Oh, yeah. He yells it at the end of the song. Ohio. Ohio. I thought I was smart for knowing it right now. I'm being like, it's clearly Ohio. Stick to friends. A clerk at a local market. I'll let it go. I'll let it go. Let it go. A clerk at a local market told police that she saw Spangler on the night she disappeared October 7th. She came in the store alone, but said she looked like she was waiting for somebody. Mm. Three employees at a cafe in Salinas, California, said they saw a woman matching her description eating there around lunchtime on Tuesday the 12th, so like a week after she disappeared. And now, where's Salinas? Salinas Salinas is up north by Monterey. Okay. It's Steinbeck country. Yeah, it is. Whenever I've driven past Salinas, it's like, don't you want to see where John Steinbeck's from? You don't want to walk his walk? You don't want to walk the beat? This is where Uh, he yelled his dog. Travels with Charlie? That's where the Charlie happened. These are the mice from mice and men one of mine is a similar thing of like we saw them going like heading north yeah. shortly afterwards i guess everyone just why, but why would you take the pch if you're trying to escape don't take the scenic route is what i'm getting at. got it you're trying to argue with people who've disappeared under mysterious circumstances don't take pch if you're trying to get away try to give advice how to disappear better well, the first real clue comes two days later the following sunday when her black cloth purse is found at the entrance to ferndale at griffith park have you been to ferndale before no. okay so there's vermont that takes you up to the observatory and i believe it's the back way out of there it's where the um trails cafe is there's a little like cute little bridge park area that's enclosed so it's in Griffith you've heard park? of los angeles before right you've <laughs> Wait, been what's there? the griffith observatory so this the main is... entrance into griffith park on the hollywood side is up vermont basically right. and there's like another street the greek yeah i know that so if you go further <laughs> by the bear statue where clifford clinton lived when you're getting closer to western there's another street that goes up i believe connects to the observatory on the opposite end at the mouth of that is pretty much like well not out of mouth but like 10 seconds out is ferndale which is like a, a closed beautiful area to walk i mean it sounds made up but okay and this is Ferngully, you're saying? This is with Christian the, Slater? Is there some sort of crossover with Beavis and Butthead <laughs> coming? Or like, why, why are you telling me this? I hate this podcast so much. Oh, go have fun with Glendale. <laughs> dun, dun. Dun, dun. There was um. a village. <laughs> Not enough flute for my liking. Oh, my God. The barbecue? What did he say? Turn it off. Turn and it off. I also heard trash can ho. Sounds like the hamburgers are ready. <laughs> <laughs> the straps of her purse were found to be ripped off. And inside, as the LA Times puts it, they find usual feminine trifles. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And an unsigned, unfinished note. Okay. Addressed to Kirk, it read, can't wait any longer. Going to see Dr. Scott. It will work best this way while mother is away mm. the note ended with a comma as if it was interrupted while writing it we don't know any kirk do we i'm not saying you and i but in this story do we know not kirk? so far okay is this a star trek crossover it is actually a star trek crossover when i was doing research i thought kirk like kirk cameron but in my head i saw um kirk, captain, captain kirk, kirk captain kirk, james kirk captain kirk captain <laughs> captain james kirk cameron and my brain does that sometimes and i think that i'm not well. I think I'm having an aneurysm. This is how strokes start. I smell toast. On the 15th... That's the barbecue. On the 15th, 60 members of the LAPD's Valley Division Reserve Squad rode horses through the 4,523 acres of Griffith Park wow. looking for more clues. Starting from Ferndale, where the purse was found, then spreading outwards. They didn't find anything. So the two things... kind of hard to... I mean... 
That's a lot of ground. To yeah, cover. on horses, you're even farther from the ground. <laughs> Were they blood easier? horses, like bloodhounds, but horses? Yeah, really droopy, yeah. saggy horses. <laughs> so the two things cops have to go on is Doctor Scott and Kirk, who are mentioned in the note. Because of the claim from Jean's friend that she might have been pregnant, they suspected Doctor Scott might have been performing illegal abortions, That's and maybe something went wrong. That's what it sounded like to yeah. me. Yeah, they searched LA. And for I any- know abortions. Trust me, they searched LA for any doctors with the last name Scott, but nothing turned up. Their most promising lean was a former medical student who frequented the Sunset Strip performing abortions for money. They confirmed his identity, but even with that, they were never able to locate him. Hmm. No clues to his whereabouts, nothing. Oh, and the lieutenant that Jean had an affair with when she was married to Dexter, his name was Scotty. Hmm. And this Scotty had been violent towards her and threatened to murder her if she broke off the relationship. But by all accounts, the two had been done for like four years and hadn't seen each other since. Then there was the little Davy connection. She and little Davy, the gangster, her gangster son, her gangster son boyfriend. No, so he leaves town for good. Maybe a lot of people are thinking, did she leave with little Davy? Did she leave the country and leave her family behind? Or had she seen something that she wasn't supposed to and got whacked? In 1950, a U.S. Customs agent in El Paso, Texas, told LAPD detectives that they might have spotted Gene Spangler at a hotel with little Davy and frank nicoli another la gangster who had disappeared in september of 1949 because of similar charges that davy faced hmm. so these two guys that knew spangler in the same year around the same span of months disappear so they're may- thinking maybe she went with them and then we have kirk the juiciest part for last they never figured out who the note was addressed to gene's mother said that she had mentioned to kirk but Gene never stated who he was. But because he didn't want any special scandal on his name, Kirk Douglas called the LAPD <laughs> from Palm Springs to tell them that Gene had been cast as didn't an extra. Basically, that's the call. It was just like, because she was in a recent film of his, Young Man with a Horn. But he was like, I barely remembered her. We talked and kidded. Hmm. He said, but never saw her before or after. Some people speculate that this was the man that she'd been seeing casually, nothing serious, but was having the time of her life, was this casual fling with Kirk Douglas. Douglas and she got pregnant and he killed her. Whoa. Probably not, but juicy. Yeah, that is juicy. I think we should blame the son. So you're saying Michael Douglas? You're saying Ant-Man's Michael Douglas. <laughs> the ultimate crossover, Boomhauer meets Ant-Man. <laughs> that's, ooh, that's juicy. That's, that is that's juicy. That's some Hollywood juice right there. I remember stumbling on that, like on Tumblr, like years ago, and be like, oh, I wish I had a podcast to talk about this. And then I have one. I wish it was better. <laughs> huh. Hang on, let me just let me just put in some music drops a la Glendale <laughs> Library. Kirk Douglas. <laughs> I'll play the guitar solo from across the river. We could just get all of the crow sounds. <laughs> Every time I say something suspicious of the crow sounds. That's when we're talking about uh, Jet Li. No, wait, not Jet. Yeah, Jet Li. No, no not Jet, Jet Li. Lee. Brandon, Brandon Lee. Lee. My favorite thing was that we're at an open mic. I think it was at Chris's house. But Ramsey was talking about like his idea of a sexy man and it was the crow. And I, I laughed, but not because I thought it was funny, but because I agreed with him so much and I had never thought. I think you should revisit the crow. Uh, No, thanks. I like to like it. If I revisit it, yeah. I won't like it. It's uh, Some things are best disappearing. What's wrong with a movie about Devil's night where all the bad guys who are in hackers are like fire it up what's wrong with a movie if you wanted batman to be the joker but he played guitar played by bruce lee's son it's all the things i like luella parsons went on tv offering a reward for a thousand dollars which in the late 40s was over ten thousand dollars for any information on gene's whereabouts nothing substantial ever came in no one knows what happened to gene spangler she disappeared with leaving behind only one cryptic clue and no leads to that. Spartacus did this. <laughs> I killed I, her. No, I killed her. Is Dexter lying about seeing his ex-wife about child support payments? Is Scotty lying about having not seen Jean for four years? Was an abortion gone wrong? A mob hit? A runaway mom? Is the Kirk in the note actor Kirk Douglas? We'll never know these things. Mm-hmm.
To add even more to the Spangler case, a month before she went missing, 48-year-old socialite Mimi Boomhauer disappeared without a trace. She's like one of the women you hear about in mystery novels. She had inherited her lace... Oh my god, Can, these crows. That you're you getting that too close to the heart of the issue here. She was one of the women I hear about only in mystery novels. She had inherited her late husband's fortune and lived in their 10-room Spanish-style mission in the middle of Bel Air by herself, widowed <laughs> for six years. And she was very wary of the world and visitors. And she, her, her neck was so perfect, like a perfect length for strangling, like a perfect <laughs> circumference. As of that year, her money was on the skids and she was pawning stuff off. At 7 or 8 p.m. on August 18th of 1949, she spoke to a friend over the phone then left her house in a change of clothes she left her sedan locked and parked at home and they found an uneaten salad on the dining room table and all the lights on wait a minute she had a sedan too uh, yeah the sedan is not like a it's not like a model of a car it's like a type of car like this is a sedan. yeah i know this but i'm just I, I i think there's something going on with sedans here. i think that if you owned a sedan in an era where sedans were being made only no. No, i'm, a, I'm a coupe kind of guy i drive an a model jalopy i'm not a sedan man <laughs> i don't have any doors <laughs> she left in a hurry or left expecting to return soon question mark she didn't earlier in the week she told a friend that she would be busy on the night of the 18th and told her business manager she was going to meet a man that night but didn't say who and i don't mean to sound like my favorite murder but but always tell someone who you're meeting or who you're seeing. Don't be like, oh, it's my mystery man. I'll tell you tomorrow. Like, you're going to die. I met him on the pre-internet. <laughs> I met him on the newspapers. Her gardener said that for a week prior to her vanishing, a middle-aged man with white hair would pull up an expensive-looking car in the driveway next door and watch her house. They never found out who that man was. Because she lived alone, she wasn't reported missing for several days. Some think she ran away and eloped because while discussing something, she slipped and said, let me check with my husband, but he'd been dead for six years. A full week later on the 25th, they found found a white calfskin handbag in a telephone booth on Wilshire Boulevard on the side of the purse someone had written this message police department we found this at the beach thursday night she went missing on that thursday nothing unusual about the contents not even any sand or water she was declared dead 11 days after her disappearance which is weird because usually it's 90 days so then they reversed it no one knows what happened to mimi boomhauer not in the slightest but many suspect murder you saying that they declared her dead so soon makes me think maybe it was a uh, witness protection thing oh wow i didn't think about that hmm, shady I, that wasn't spooky i'm not spooked you're not spooked by gene spangler going missing but like i said these are oh, these are all inherently spooky because people are disappearing but that wasn't like and then they found this shadow that said i'm kirk douglas <laughs> i might have raped natalie wood and that's what the shadow said the shadow knows the shadow the shadow does know well, that that wasn't spooky i think that's uh i think that's a good mystery i don't think that you love anybody because if you love people you would be you'd be more concerned if people just went up and missing and i think that you have no empathy but that's okay yeah you're right it wasn't spooky okay well you talk <laughs> like boomhauer and <laughs> But let's go to mine. You tell me if this is spooky in your opinion once okay. it's over. Does it start um, with a hook? Yeah, there's a bloody hook. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't spooky, is it? Anyway, let's start with mine. Like we were saying, I normally start each story with a classic witticism. But for these, I want to first tell you the incident of a disappearance. Because okay. for me, doing the research, that's how I started. Like, I, I read what happened and things seemed cut and dry. But the more you get into it, the more you see, like, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was like you have... Yours could have ended 14 different ways. Yeah. Like, you, you slowly start to learn more. That's where the spooky lives. <laughs> That's where the mystery... Mystery isn't spooky. Mysteries are spooky. What happened? So you're you're sitting there reading Agatha Christie. M is for, I guess, murder. And you're saying, ooh, this is... Ooh, boy. Better turn on mystery, some lights. First of all. <laughs> <laughs> Unanswered questions that go on forever 
are spooky to me. So it seems like you're just afraid of not knowing the answer to everything. You're I'm afraid, afraid that someone think- got away with doing an awful thing and is still out there. You're afraid of people thinking you're dumb. Yeah, this person. We know Kirk Douglas is dead. Maybe you should see The Vanishing and get back to me about why disappear- mysterious disappearances are terrifying. They're scary, but not spooky. We'll let the listener decide. Send us in for your December answers. They're what's spooky. scary? What's spooky? Uh, okay, so after I tell you the mystery, I've got witties for you. I've got all sorts of witty lines for you. October 26, 1944, a pilot named Gertrude Tompkins Silver took off in an airplane from Minesfield, which is now LAX, mm-hmm. at 3.42 p.m., headed to arrive in Palm Springs a few hours later. Immediately after takeoff, her plane went into some fog and was never seen again. No wreckage, no body, nothing. Gertrude Tompkins Silver disappeared. So you don't think alien abductions are scary? That's clearly what happened here, cut and dry. On first glance, that's that's what I got. <laughs> clearly what I thought of. <laughs> I'll pay you 30 pieces of silver for just a sliver of your knowledge of Gertrude Tompkins' silver. <laughs> and I'll throw in the Son of God for free. You don't have to do this. You could just read. <laughs> no, I told you at the beginning, I do have to do this. <laughs> I'm legally obligated to do this. <laughs> this is part of the contract. Alien abduction was never, never even on the table here. Alien abductions have more... It doesn't happen that quickly. It's not like the tractor beam pulling in the Millennium Falcon. Okay, first of all, you don't understand anything about aliens because they are the fog. I'm going to look up what your Roswell happened and you're going to feel like an idiot. Was that like 1941 or something? Oh my God. Oh my God. Mines it's October Field. 31st, 1940, <laughs> whatever you said. They transported Mines Fields from Roswell. That's alien crash land. <laughs> 1947. Three years later, that thing crashes in New Mexico. <laughs> Gertrude Tompkins <laughs> found in New Mexico. So this is the story of somebody I think most of the meek sad sacks who listen to us are going to relate to. And also, pro- they're going to get sad not spooked so that's another same thing (laughs) sadness is frightening to me gertrude vreeland tompkins v-r-e-e-l-a-n-d i've seen that before as a name but the first time i saw him like that's not a name but now i'm hearing it again like maybe it's a name (laughs) this is certainly the name of a dutch company but not a person's name gertrude vreeland tompkins was born october 16th 1912 in jersey city new jersey to laura and vreeland tompkins so her dad named her after him dads who make their daughters take their weird kind of mannish name as their middle name why why would you do why that? would you ever do that especially if you're Vreeland do you hate your daughter that much do you hate your daughter that much or do you love yourself that much <laughs> why are they mutually exclusive <laughs> didn't really matter because she usually went by the nickname Tommy her dad had been a chemist for John D. Rockefeller who then went on to start his own company called Smooth On Inc. in 1895 that made iron cement which you could use to repair holes and leaks in irons and is still around today the best I can tell from looking at them online is that they now make giant inflatable donuts <laughs> That's pretty cool. 1895 was when he came up with that company. That's such a 1970s like roller disco Smooth afro on. name. Like you'd yeah, hear they rebranded. Yeah. They rebranded in the 70s as a pomade company. <laughs> it also worked on iron. <laughs> he also had an unfortunate stutter, Vreeland. And just as unfortunate, that stutter was passed down to Gertrude, oh, no. which became the bane of her existence. Like it defined her life. She was teased mercilessly because of it by the other kids in her school. They made up a song about her. She- and it went a little something like this. Cue the guitar solo. Tom Morello. Kids just had so much more time back then That's to what I was sit amazed and by. compose a song to bully a girl. And they think bullying is bad now. They wrote a song about this girl. And they couldn't do it on GarageBand. So here's how the song went. My name is little Gertrude and I am only three. Some people say I stutter and no one cares for me. My mama used to stutter when she married Papa too. It took three days to marry because the preacher stuttered too. And this, of course, was sung with kids stuttering on most of the letters, which sounds not only not nice, but also not fun to sing and also 
also it was her dad who had the stutter, not the mom, you idiots. Yeah, do your research, George Gershwin. <laughs> that kid. This was <laughs> the first song. <laughs> to be Weird Al Yankovic. The next song he wrote, Rhapsody in Blue, but R.A.P. The third Gershwin brother. Weird Ira Gershwin. <laughs> so because of this bullying, she eventually stopped trying to participate in class for fear of being made fun of, which led her to staying home from school, claiming she was sick, but really she was just crying. Being made, yeah, she was just was not fun for her. And eventually she just wouldn't talk to people because she was ashamed of her stutter. So she just got swallowed by herself. Goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway, she was not a confident person because that's important to the story. I know what you're saying now that about the sad sacks who listen to this podcast. <laughs> I get it now. Her family tried every crazy backwoods remedy they could think of to cure her stutter. And they it got crazier and crazier. They put nutmeg under her tongue, which sounds pleasant. Then they made her take baths in the ocean. Not too bad unless you're me. I would never do that. So then they started feeding her small amounts of arsenic and strychnine. It sounds like old remedies. Like you have three dice with words on them and you roll the dice and you're like, bathtub in yeah. ocean. <laughs> okay. Tea yeah. with dog meat. <laughs> yep, that's the remedy to solve your stuttering. Let's try two things that maybe could work. Didn't work. Let's poison her. This is like torture with, I mean, not that poisoning her isn't, but then they made her stay silent for a week and then each week after that speak only in a whisper that got progressively louder and louder until she was speaking at normal volume and the idea was then your stutter will be cured how <laughs> your tongue just needed to rest it turns out that you're so excited to talk that you developed a stutter that was hereditary <laughs> that your dad has slow down slow Gertrude. down hit the brakes <laughs> obviously none of it worked and it's crazy she even survived this in my opinion yeah eventually the family decided maybe it might just be better for her to go away <laughs> like maybe we're stressing her out maybe we're putting too much pressure they sent her to live with a family on a farm in which is what they told me happened to my sister they sent her to live with a family on a farm in the shenandoah valley in virginia in the spring of 1930 it didn't cure her and she didn't like it either but she did feel more comfortable and the stutter was a little less pronounced and she even it was better because there's less people to hear her stutter less testing less coronavirus cases <laughs> no people around she doesn't stutter she doesn't stutter well she doesn't say much because she's in another state now but her stutter's gone i haven't she... heard her study since she left study so she's also not studying because she's <laughs> crying 24 7 maybe if we poison her textbooks she was a little more comfortable like less stifled from her family she made a friend here what she did get out of living there was an interest in horticulture so after a year on the farm she enrolled at the pennsylvania school of horticulture for women in ambler pennsylvania where she made friends and became a supporter of fdr who she looked up to as a beacon of hope because if he could overcome his disability to become president why couldn't she become anything other yeah. than why couldn't she become the king's speech or whatever yeah why yeah <laughs> why couldn't she become king of england like fdr <laughs> after she graduated she went and did something that only a rich white girl from the east coast could do back then spent several years touring the great gardens of europe with her aunt yeah she went to england italy france holland norway germany all accompanied by her trusty aunt and her aunt was nice to her yeah <laughs> you didn't do research did you why should i research the aunt i guess that was the way like a woman can't travel alone in europe Take your aunt. The gardens were all well and good, but what she really was drawn to in her travels was the exact opposite of a garden. The destroyer of gardens. Goats. Birds. Oh. Crows that are listening to us. She was described as being introduced to goats in Switzerland. So I don't know if she had never seen a goat before or just really like these particular goats, but she became obsessed with goats 
goats. Pretty funny. That was her new thing. She now made it her purpose in life to travel the world promoting the benefits of having goats. What sound do goats make? Bah. Okay. Are you saying a goat stutters and she could relate to that? Yeah. I mean, they can't, unless they're trying to say baby or something. Yeah, and they're like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you've people with stutters. Wow. I mean, I was just boy. trying to be like, why goats? Maybe she wants to hit stuff with her as head someone, really hard. As someone who loves goats and eats a lot of trash, I see the appeal. So she went to South Africa. Like, she was traveling the world. She went to South Africa to tell people all the environmental and health benefits of goat milk which ties into our intro our australian people are going to like this she went to the australian government to convince them to invest in goats instead of cows because they were better for the environment to which the australian government said that's not a knife to which she responded correct you are it's a goat (laughs) and now our new zealand people are going to like this she then went to new zealand to do the same thing and apparently had an article written about her for no other reason i could tell than just being a tourist who really liked goats It wasn't like she spoke to the government. It was just like, this lady's here from America and she really likes goats. Um, She even brought some goats back to her parents' house in New Jersey and started selling their milk, but they kept escaping onto her neighbor's property and destroying her old passion, gardens. So the city made her give up the goats, which was all well and good because around this time in the late 30s, the depression was finally coming after her dad's iron glue donut factory or whatever, (laughs) roller skate, 70s disco factory. And there was no more money for her to be shuttling goats around the world in luxury and she had to get a job at his company instead. And this was the last thing that she wanted, to be working not only in the job she didn't like, but for her dad, who she felt stifled by. Yeah, So stifled that she couldn't even live in the house with her family and she moved to Greenwich Village in New York City instead. And here she met a whole new type of hairy mountain milk producer, a man (laughs) who was so mannish, his name was Henry Mann Silver. Whoa, Hank Mann? You'll notice her name doesn't have silver in it yet, but his does. Hmm. Ah, this is contagious. She doesn't love this guy. Well, she liked him but didn't love him he was an accountant who owned her building and they formed a bond over their love of history gardens and wouldn't you know it he also used to stutter so they bonded over all these things problem was she still stuttered and because of that she felt undesirable and she also didn't want to pass her problem down to her child her dad what do you keep staring at you're you're Uh, you're, you're, like a little hawk you're sitting on the chair like fonzie and you're looking off into the sunset i'm a pretty cool guy but i'm listening to a woman who's about a married man who she's not that interested in but they get along and she it's very sad that she, she feels like if she bears children they'll have her problems That's but I was looking at a hawk as you were doing all of that and it felt really romantic but you kind of ruined it scared him away with Thanks. your shrill voice <laughs> Thanks for dousing my heat. Like I said, her dad had it, she has it, and if she marries this guy, it's guaranteed. she felt it was guaranteed, but yeah. just a little bit of nutmeg and arsenic, you know, <laughs> clean that right up. On top of that, he was 10 years older than her, and she wasn't interested in him in that way, and she didn't want to be forced to become a housewife, which is what would have happened in 1919 depression yeah. <laughs> if you were a woman and you got married. So she wasn't ready to give up traveling, and she certainly wasn't ready to give up goats. She wasn't really interested in any man until sometime in late 1940 or early 1941, when she was at a dance and met a boy named Stanley Michael Kolondorsky. So he was an American pilot who had volunteered to be in Eagle Squadron 71 of the Royal Air Force, along with a few other American pilots who wanted to help England fight Germany before the U.S. actually entered World War II. So cool. he was uh, like a uh, an assassin, if you will. <laughs> a flying assassin, he was a, if you will. He was a thug, a, hench- a hunchman. <laughs> hunchman, hunchman. He was also from New Jersey, and she actually fell in love with him, but she fell almost as equally in love with something he took her to do, flying an airplane. Cool. All signs point to her having 
having taken her first flight ever with Stanley. And just like Amelia Earhart, she fell in love immediately. So now it looked like she finally met a guy who made her feel accepted and comfortable. And now they even had this new passion that they shared. But the courtship was brief as he was called back to England to kill some more Germans. But they planned to reunite on his next return home. There wasn't one. In May 1941, she learned that those Germans he had been trying to kill got to him first and he was shot down over the ocean. Gertrude stayed home from work for two weeks after this, trying to cope with this. She didn't have Stanley, the love of her life anymore, but what she still had of him was his love of flying that he shared with her. So he decided that no longer was she going to cry. She was going to fly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. I know how to rhyme things. Thank you. Thank you. I got a thesaurus. Thank you. I took a class on (laughs) lynda.com on rhyming. I took a class on Lydia Beetlejuice. Rhyming and the the dangers of rap music. Rhyming and how to do the calypso. (laughs) There weren't many options for women pilots in those days, but her best bet was an organization called the Women's Air Force Service Pilots or WASPs. This was a newly formed extension of the military for women pilots who would be taught to fly and then used as part of the training for the male pilots who would then be sent into battle. Their tasks were things like testing new airplanes, towing targets for anti-aircraft target practice, which sounds like the worst. Like, <laughs> hold this apple while I shoot it. I'm kind of good. I know I'm just recruited, but I'm <laughs> learning. They were also practice targets for searchlight crews, which is much less deadly, unless you blind them, I guess. And also teaching the new male recruits how to fly. So they received all the same training as their male counterparts, but they were meant to relieve the burden of day-to-day tasks and mission for the male pilots. Okay. These women would never be allowed to actually fight in battle. They were formed in 1942 and they even had a mascot of a female gremlin in flight gear named fifi designed by walt disney you're kidding for the wasps wow i didn't know that yeah it had mouse ears though and a little mouse face and instead of a plane he made the plane look like a steamboat they were called the fly girls and over twenty-five thousand women applied to join them only 1834 were accepted and gertrude was one of them wow on may 23rd lopez was a fly girl jenny from the block (laughs) she was just missed the cutoff (laughs) the immortal jennifer lopez on may 23rd 1943 she reported for duty at avenger field in Sweetwater, Texas. I know you'd like that. I'm just going to talk about the Avengers for a while. Can we talk about Kirk Douglas' son again? <laughs> One of the first rules she had to learn, uh, uh, there is no wasps, um, was that all women were banned from flying during their periods. So Gertrude said, none of us ever had periods. <laughs> they all just said, no, I'm not, I don't do that. I don't and, do and that. My body doesn't do that. I gave that up when I kind of joined the military. <laughs> of course, Gertrude being Gertrude, she felt apart from the others here as well, though. She was considerably older older than all the other women and didn't like partying so when she wasn't flying she'd just be home alone studying planes and it paid off because she was a smaller lady at five foot five and usually the women that were this size couldn't handle certain planes as well because they Mm. physically weren't big enough gertrude got certified on every type of military plane there was so she just nothing stopped she didn't want anything to stop her she would learn how to fly everything yeah she became an ace at all of them but her stutter was still an issue more so now because she was afraid it would prevent her from using the plane radio effectively when you have to communicate she managed to control it but it took a lot of work and often would sing what she had to say on the radio because when she sang she wouldn't stutter which is the king's speech yeah also this is the era of morse code you can't just why would you go backwards from radio back to morse code clearly can't talk wow 
I mean, I'm not making fun of the victim. I'm not making fun of her. I'm not making fun of her. I'm just saying you're, making, you're, you're like trying to figure out a system and you're scared about talking into the plane radio. You want to take... I got a crazy idea. Go backwards. When you're flying an airplane, you want to take one hand off to... You, you did it right now. You didn't take your hand off the microphone. I'm not flying. Oh, my God. I'm flying this podcast. Yes. <laughs> she graduated November 13th, 1943. Of only... Of those 18,000, only 1,074 women made it through the program. Yeah. After the academy, she was assigned to perform her tasks in Pico, Texas, and then Dallas. And this is where she first encountered a new type of fighter plane, the P-51 Mustang. So this was a high-octane plane that went really fast and was not that easy to handle, so you can't do Morse code. But Gertrude... Also, don't you need a cable for Morse code? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> just tow the cable. Tow, <laughs> tow it all the way. You don't need a cable. You can just make the taps, and someone has to read it and be like, oh, she's saying that she's going to land soon. Wait, why doesn't she just scream? She's going to land three minutes ago when I started taking this message. <laughs> Wait till we connect this wire, and then we'll get your transmission. It was not easy to handle, but Gertrude, of course, she mastered the Mustang, yeah. and was she was one of only 126 wasps that were deemed good enough to fly one of these. Damn. She loved the thrill of it so much, and it made her so comfortable that suddenly she realized that her stutter had gone away, and it never came back. Wow. From just the thrill and feeling like this is what I was meant to do. It just went away. She stopped it's it. crazy that confidence and, and believing in yourself and reaching a certain level in your brain that yeah. you think that you are above the person you were before how you can like eliminate certain problems yeah it's amazing that some people can do that and all it took was it, did i mention that the plane was made of nutmeg so finally gertrude had some sort of grip on her life and a sense of self-worth and accomplishment all thanks to flying and being part of the wasps yeah so of course that meant the wasps had to be disbanded uh, obviously like the spice girls you're too powerful to live too stuttery to die too powerful <laughs> to live spice girls um, it was 1944 and more of the male pilots were starting to end their tours of duty and coming home which meant they needed jobs. So they felt these women who were doing a job they could do no longer should be doing that job. Right. So let's get rid of this program. Despite everything the wasps did to help train the men who went to fight, they were never considered an actual part of the military. They were classified as civilian volunteers and they got no military benefits. On top of that, they were about to be disbanded completely. And to make a stressful situation even worse, that guy Silver, who had been ingratiating himself to her dad back east, so her dad was also pressuring her. Right to settle down and marry him so everyone's like mm, why are you doing this yeah. when you, why are you flying a plane yeah, when why you, you could be kissing a, a man why are you flying a plane when you could be doing laundry <laughs> you could be screaming for a kitchen do you want to over easy or scramble yeah. I hear you got over your stutter that'll make it a lot easier to take dinner orders from your husband to put even more pressure on a woman who clearly wasn't interested Silver told her that his sister had just died and left behind an orphaned one year old daughter and that he wanted to marry Gertrude so they could adopt this little girl and Gertrude could raise her as her mom. <sighs> yeah. Being a woman uh, most times in history. It was like being fun. a horse. You can carry all this, right? Yeah. <laughs> I want to help my little niece, but I can't, but, <laughs> but I could can. purchase you After from you your dad. you marry me against your will, you can take care of this one-year-old. Yeah, for the rest of your life, like, which is not your life anymore. <laughs> it's, the rest of the baby's life. <laughs> it's terrible. Her dad piled on here saying how much he liked Silver and not so gently reminded her that she was now 32 years old and it was about time she had a husband and a baby plus this isn't a biological baby so you wouldn't risk 
passing oh, the stutter right. to we, anybody. We found a loophole. This is the perfect situation. We're going to use you, a then. loophole and strangle you to death with yeah, it. Put your neck through this loophole. <laughs> Step off this chair. This all made Gertrude feel just great about herself. She felt manipulated. She felt belittled. She was also just so happy flying airplanes. She was also kind of interested in this guy on the base as well. So she didn't give an immediate answer to Silver, but with the end of the wasps coming up and all this pressure from her family, she just didn't know what else to do. So she agreed to marry Silver. Of course, women weren't allowed to be married in the wasps. So she had to secretly take leave for a weekend and went to Long Island on September 22nd, 1944 to become Gertrude Tompkins Silver. She spent the night of September 21st, the night before her wedding, crying to her sister about how she didn't want to get married, which isn't that normal. My wife did that. I did that. (laughs) What's the big deal? Three days later after the wedding, she was back at the base as if nothing happened and the wasps were set to disband 57 days from then. So this is, she just got into a marriage she did not want. Her job that she loves is about to end. This is her situation. So now finally to the Los Angeles part of this story. The makers of the P-51 Mustang was North American Aviation which were headquartered at Mines Field. Okay. Again, now LAX. And almost a third of all aircraft from that period were being made around there at the time. So Gertrude was often staying at the base in Long Beach. And when new planes would come off the line, she'd go up to Mines Field and fly them to wherever they needed her to go. So she was constantly flying in and out of LA. Apparently, she might have been flying planes to Alaska to give to Russia to help fight Germany. Wow. Now this takes us to that fateful day, October 26, 1944. A little over a month after she had unwillingly married and a little under a month before the job she loved was about to be disbanded. The mission today was to fly some brand new P-51 Mustangs all the way to New Jersey where they would then be taken to England for the invasion of Germany. This would have to be done over three days because women were not allowed to fly at night I assume because of their periods. <laughs> Did you get like blood in your eyes or something? I don't know how periods work. I never <laughs> asked. But... Women can't see at night as well as men. You must have like baby stuff in your eyes or something. I, I can't really explain. I'm not going to look into it but I'm going to just based on this hunch that is underdeveloped I'm going to say that you probably can't fly at night. Instead of doing this quicker, let's make it a three-day dangerous journey. (laughs) So now, obviously, these were all brand new, straight-off-the-assembly-line airplanes they were flying, so most of them had never been flown at all by the time they got to them, the wasps. So when Gertrude and the 39 other women who were on the mission today showed up, it wasn't that out of the usual that three of the planes had some minor malfunctions, Gertrude's among them. One of the doors on top was kind of bent on hers, which would have prevented her from ejecting in case of emergency. Right. Imagine. The rest of the planes took off, but these three were told since they would be taking off after 318, they'd have to spend the night in Palm Springs instead of Arizona with the rest of them. So the repairs were finished, but now the weather was a little windy and some fog had moved in, but they took off anyway at 3.42 p.m. heading west. And as I said at the beginning, this was the last anyone ever saw of Gertrude Tompkins Silver. But here's the final insuit to the meek lady that was Gertrude Tompkins Silver. Nobody even realized she was missing until all the other planes landed in New Jersey three days later and they asked where's Gertrude? This is due to a crazy oversight and a lack of communication that happened before takeoff. First off, they had just switched to a new protocol for takeoffs and most of the people still didn't have a good grasp on who reports what and who keeps track of what. So in this new system, for whatever reason, the weather was only recorded from Long Beach, even though the planes were taking off at LAX, which has completely different weather. So that was the first miscommunication. The second was that somebody wrote down the wrong number for her plane and gave her the number of one of the other ones. So when the other plane arrived safely in New Jersey, they assumed she had checked in. Mm. The third was that the air control tower didn't have any of her flight papers for no other reason I could find them. They just didn't want them. They were like giving it to them like, eh, 
And I want this. Why would I want, Why would this? I want this? Is it what? It's going to turn up in a couple of days? <laughs> so the record of her even flying that day was completely lost, which is why she wasn't even reported missing until October 30th. Jeez. Uh, the other pilots she was with had all just assumed she had turned back and never taken off because of the mechanical issues. So they just didn't even bother to check when they got to Palm Springs and she wasn't there. So nobody knew where Gertrude was. And on October 31st, this is where it's spooky, Halloween, 1944, the search began and it wasn't until two days after that that her family was notified that she was missing. The first obvious place to look was in the ocean just off of Mines Field, the yeah. most likely area being somewhere off of Dockweiler. Yeah. But the thing with an airplane like this is that it was so sleek and fast, it would cut straight through the water without leaving any sort of debris. Damn. And any oil or anything it did leave behind would have been washed away in the five days it took them to start actually looking. Yeah. So obviously nothing was found. Then the search was expanded covering most of the Southwest all the way to Arizona. The search was put on by the Air Force, the Coast Guard, and the Civil Air Patrol using 156 planes flying over 1,067 hours for 30 days. Toward the end of November, they saw what looked like a plane crash in the mountains above Palm Springs, and they sent in a search party only to find it was a rock that looked like an airplane. Isn't it always? And that's a total Halloween goof right there. Like, oh, the silhouette of the werewolf is actually yeah. my, uh, my mascot uniform. Yeah. And they lifted it up, Candy. <laughs> After this, they gave gave up the search and she was officially presumed dead. No evidence yeah. of a crash was ever found. After this, the Air Force made flight plans required for every individual flying instead of just the group in general. But to this day, the search still hasn't ended. In 1997, a former teacher from Hawthorne High School named G. Pat Macha took up the search. And when other people heard of this, they came forward with stories that they might have actually seen what happened that day. Wow. Some people said they remembered seeing two planes going over the Imperial Highway, but not three of them like how do you remember that one guy said he was on um, i guess there was like two airplanes in the whole country um, one guy said he was on the pier that day and saw a plane much like the ghost plane here's these glendale sound effects that <laughs> i'll never stop putting them down he saw a plane make a sharp drop st- butter and then go into a controlled dive behind the clouds another said he was 12 at the time fishing for halibut and saw a plane crash that day and you didn't tell anyone he's 12 i saw a plane okay dear whatever you say yeah (laughs) i saw a japanese submarine okay (laughs) Okay. it was headed towards pearl harbor (laughs) yeah right okay sure no more war stories before bed okay (laughs) no more reading the news before bed okay but it was so long ago how could these people be sure like how could you remember that I can remember anything if I think of it. I can remember anything I make up. Matcha got support in the 90s and some sonar, archaeology, and diving teams, including the head sonar guy on the searches for Lacey Peterson, helped him look a few times all the way up to 2012. He searched the San Jacinto Mountains after some wreckage was spotted by a fire tower, but it was another missing plane. In 2001, their sonar found something in the Santa Monica Bay under the sand, but they never found anything except a 2001 reference that I I won't bore you with that. Um, up. Did you get that reference in? You too? blow it up, you monkeys that <laughs> learn to evolve. <laughs> you well-dressed monkeys. You blow it up. In 2009, they found an Air Force jet trainer that had been missing since 1955, but again, wasn't her. They keep finding all of these other missing planes. The problem is that at this point, so much of the plane would have deteriorated that it wouldn't even look like a plane anymore. Yeah, it looked like a big rock. It, <gasps> oh, no. Oh, I it, it petrified. <laughs> Just, that was the thing with the Mustangs. They turned to rock after 50 <laughs> years. All that you would find would be guns 
guns and tires and also that part of the bay was used as a silt deposit years later yeah so it would be under that as well so to this day nothing concrete has ever been found but it's not made of concrete is it (laughs) the wasps had a much lower crash percentage than their male counterparts so only 38 were killed in the wartime and gertrude is the only one that isn't accounted for she's the only question mark from the wasps some people refer to her as the other amelia which again is so like the kids from the school ground gave her that nickname (laughs) the wasps never got the recognition they deserved until 2010 when barack obama awarded the congressional gold medal to the 300 surviving wasps and granted them full veteran benefits wow good for him uh, which i mean what they'll use it for the next two years (laughs) so what exactly did happen to gertrude was it a simple mechanical failure that made her crash into the ocean the p-51s were notoriously finicky and dangerous and did have a reputation of stalling at low altitudes when the nose was pulled up too quickly or maybe the fuel tank shifted her center of gravity behind the cockpit and threw her into a tailspin or maybe there was a break in the fog that the sunshine threw unexpectedly and blinded her but she was also an ace pilot who could handle a lot yeah Uh, some people have looked at the situation she was in with her husband she didn't love and the job she did love coming to an end and wondered if maybe it was a suicide but her family insisted that she had so much respect for planes that she would never take one down with her like she wouldn't go out that way they had a better theory and wondered if maybe she faked her own death to get out of her new marriage and just disappeared to start a new life for decades a family joke was that whenever someone would go on a vacation they'd say be sure to look for gertrude what a joke it's how we grieve it's frustrating to not know what happened and what seemed you say it's spooky I would not say I said it's frustrating. I specifically said <laughs> frustrating to not know what happened and what seemed cut and dry at first started to make more sense when you thought about the alternatives. But one thing we do know for sure, I will never start drinking goat milk over cow milk. You're I'll a, never give up cow milk. You're a problem. I'm you're a, a child problem of the person. Milk. First of all, cows have personality. How dare you? You don't kill them to drink their milk. I get that, but you're still exploiting them. Uh, goats have personality too, Greg. And so do almonds. Yeah, but they're not known for being eaten too. Oh, they're being eaten. Speaking of which, I'm eating a goat bar right now. Oh God, that looks so bad. I want some. I don't get the spooks from this one because she clearly was better off disappearing than going back to normal life. You nodded your head and you threw your bar at me in the air in my direction as recognition, like an, like you raised a beer. Let me say something. <laughs> Good for you, Gertrude. You gotta get out of Dodge. I get it. I would do anything to get out of taking care of a one-year-old. And so would Gertrude. On so many levels, that's sad. I really should stop eating when I'm still telling my story. But, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, it's sad that she finally started to come to terms with herself. But again, like the timing is pretty suspicious. Yeah. I don't blame her. She's probably living on Catalina Island right now, reaping all of those uh, veteran retirement benefits that she finally got. finally kicked in, yeah. yeah. Now that she's 200 years old. <laughs> it's crazy that she got abducted by aliens, but you know, it's spooky. It's crazy that she got abducted by all that fog. Which is alien mist, and nobody talks about it. <laughs> all right, let's get into your next one while I munch on this loudly into the microphone. Hearing about all that goat milk made me so hungry. On June 11th, 1998, at around 11.45 a.m., off-duty LA County Sheriff's Deputy Jonathan Alge went for a hike in the Devil's Punch Bowl, and he never came back. What is the Devil? Hang on. Cheers. Cheers. To your health bar. What is the Devil's Punch Bowl exactly? It's like a nature area in Antelope Valley that's mostly like rocks and granite. But and- why is it the Devil's Punch I have no idea. Didn't look into that. I saw a picture and it looked like the devil's mocajete. You know what I mean? It's just like rock. Maybe the devil's champurado, but <laughs> I don't know. I was looking up like mysterious stuff that happened there, but it, it, I mean, as far as I could tell, on a basic just search, this. It, I mean, this mysterious, a, not spooky. You weren't searching for spooky things that happened. Uh, I didn't type spooky. I put mysterious. Yeah, it's a remote park in Antelope Valley on the north slope of the San Gabriel Mountains. By the time I'm recording this, it may or may not still be on fire. Yeah. It was on fire recently. Devil's Punch Bowl is very Antelope Valley, very desert 
deserty and granite e good for long wilderness hikes jonathan Aujay frequently visited these trails as he was an avid hiker and outdoorsman he was incredibly skilled in those regards and he was not a wafy city boy like me he was like a six foot tall former paratrooper for the u.s mm. army special forces unit he's more like me then Okay. Uh, a the guy only who, thing I have in common with that description of him is the word foot. <laughs> I have six feet in a <laughs> I, bag. I'm Ed Gein. Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I have, to, I have your health, to your health bar. And you rub lotion on other people. He was a guy who rarely called in sick or took vacations. He worked the night shift as a sheriff's deputy because he knew that that's when the work would be harder to do. The tougher hmm. cases are on that shift, so he volunteered for it. He'd been in the department for 18 years and was part of the SEB, the Special Enforcement Bureau, which handles like SWAT and canine operations for the sheriff's deputy so this is like a top-notch soldier Mm -hmm. cop type soldier of fortune all of this to say walking for a hike into the devil's punch bowl was a beyond easy task for him and not coming back was but maybe it's the maybe it's the kind of thing where like your immune system is so strong it's destroying your body because it's overreacting to this minor thing that and then you get like a like you bump into a cactus and you're literally dead in a second yeah i didn't plan for this cactus is eating my body and bones and no one will ever (laughs) find me at around 11 45 on june 11th jonathan alge parked his truck at the devil's punch bowl and started his hike wearing a green backpack on the day of his christopher green backpack christopher green back christopher green what did you say christopher green backpack that's the oh okay said from the beginning you know the guy from clue on the day of his disappearance and very early into his hike OJ encountered a class of children on a field trip now he knew this class because he recently visited them with this canine a dog named bosco belgium <laughs> don't just glance over that a dog named bosco a- tell me more bosco boomhauer they were all happy to see him and OJ told the kids that he was going 20 miles off the mount baden powell it's a summit it has a height of 9,400 feet he's gonna be back around about sunset that's what he told the class or the teacher or whatever 9,000 feet i i know that we always get elevations wrong, wrong yeah but that sounds pretty tall it sounds pretty tall for an antelope valley. we might be getting this wrong i think that's the biggest mountain in the world i might be getting this wrong i think that breaks through the atmosphere and it climbs to space i, I might be getting it wrong wait a minute he climbed to the moon he's a mailman for the moon every day two employees of a camp saw a man who fit his description jogging in the direction of mount baden powell at six that evening another camp employee saw a man with a green backpack heading towards the parking lot so people see him going up the employees of the grounds a person possibly saw him coming back right around six o'clock mm-hmm. Not long after that sighting, another person told a park employee that they'd heard a single gunshot coming mm. from the punch bowl. So by 11 o'clock, his wife Deborah called it in, telling the Palmdale Sheriff Station that her husband was missing, and they sent a pair of deputies out to the scene, which is kind of weird, because I don't know if it's a missing person or not, but isn't there like a 24-hour waiting period for stuff like that? But anyways, I, maybe not because he did it. Yeah, not if you're a cop. Not if you're also a cop. <laughs> yeah, they get special privileges. They're, they're just more missing, you know what I mean? You have to wait 24 hours because they're busy that 24 hours looking, looking for, for lost cops. Uh, they immediately flagged his truck as a crime scene and did not touch it and they called in a search and rescue crew who were already looking for him by 11 30 half hour later so that's six hours since he was last potentially last spotted the search and rescue teams were joined by the sheriff's emergency crew the canine unit and three more search and rescue teams everyone had this confidence in jonathan that he would pop out maybe injured or dehydrated but everyone who knew him attested to the fact that they don't think that he would have succumbed to the elements right like not that soon speaking of which i just got bit by a mosquito you're like a soldier huh you're like <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping it together you're like type of man you know that 
that they just don't make anymore. You know, you're just one of those guy <laughs> guys. The type of man they discontinued. After 24 hours, though, it was starting to look like he wasn't going to be coming out of the mountains on his own. The searches continued for days and they included more search and rescue teams from Malibu and an Air Force base. An Army Black Hawk helicopter scanned oh the entire God. area looking for, along with Lamer helicopters looking for him. Horses, ATVs. <laughs> the the uh, Seagull Sparrow helicopters. It was funny that when I was reading about all the stuff, they're like, Black Hawk helicopters, helicopters. <laughs> Whirly birds. Whirly birds. <laughs> jets. Smaller jets. People were there using thermal imaging equipment and fair technology looking for the grounds and any like heat, like the way Predator looks <laughs> looks for stuff. The Searches, ultimate soldier of fortune. Searches were airlifted to mountaintops and ridges. Others scoured crevices and mines. Vicky DeVita, who's a close friend of Aljay's, said that he told her he had planned on going on an overnight walkabout, so she and another deputy spent the night looking for him. Is this the sort of thing he would do? I think that this was the kind of dude that he was. He was like an outdoors type, very skilled. He would mm-hmm. go on hikes a lot. I don't know if he was had a reputation of going on night walkabouts or just talked about it, but like he was the type of dude that when he said he would, people would like, oh wait, we better look. Like he did obviously would. He's not like a chicken, like he's uh-huh. a woodsman. But they found nothing. After a week of looking, they opened up his truck and drove it back to his residence. Then the theory started. Some of his friends said he might have been working on a covert mission for the military. Hmm. Some suspected he ran off to Alaska, where he was always said he wanted to sneak off to. His sister Jan is convinced he planned to disappear. That he was cunning enough to stash cash and get a new identity and just vanish. This is her theory because she knew that Jonathan was unhappy living in Antelope Valley. He actually wanted to live in northern california wilderness he said the last time she spoke with him he was incredibly unhappy and he was ready to go he was checked out jonathan and his wife were discussing divorce and like gene spangler lj also had a five-year-old daughter chloe jonathan and his wife met when they were in high school and they were married for 12 years but a month before he disappeared he was ready to leave the morning he left he told deborah have a nice life tell chloe i love her all of these actually all the stories we're covering have in common bad marriage Uh, yeah Mm mm-hmm Hmm. Like a month before he disappeared, him and his wife got in a heated argument and he held a loaded gun to his temple oh as he was driving. People hmm. said he started giving away some of his personal items. It was also becoming clear to people that his friend who searched for him through the night, Vicky DeVita, was more than just his friend. Like a best friend? Like a super best friend that he may have kissed. Who hasn't kissed their best friend? Oh no. <laughs> I knew I was forgetting something. Oh geez. <laughs> With situations like these, it's a lot to think about in retrospect. Like you don't really think about it at the time, but now he's missing for a week and yeah. you start putting all these things that you know yeah. about him together. Yeah, everything looks like a possible explanation. Exactly. <laughs> when someone's been missing for a week. Was he planning on leaving his life in Antelope Valley or was he planning on leaving life on the whole? The stronger theory with missing cases like these are suicide that somebody would wander to the wilderness and kill themselves. After the five day search, the sheriff deputies missing persons bureau concluded that he had committed suicide but there was no body yeah why i mean it's one thing to go out into the wilderness and kill yourself but why would you make it so hard to find your body yeah what good does that do i don't know how you don't find a body you have all these conclusions and you just call it a suicide or is there something else at play here was he murdered if you bring up aliens (laughs) as if an expert outdoorsman going completely missing into the wilderness isn't spooky enough here are two theories oh here we go mold spooky molders back it's gotta be bigfoot it's gotta be Bigfoot. (laughs) hear me out esp (laughs) molder that's impossible i'm the scully today you are scully what's it like it feels very logical we could be looking at an alien you'd be like Mulder, you always do this <laughs> it's just a reflection of the light against the surface she's covered in like green blood <laughs> one theory was that he was killed by a fellow deputy after stumbling upon a meth lab now there are rumors around antelope valley that deputies were giving a heads-up call to meth dealers and makers about drug busts Why? um through the decade, there were five internal investigations into this, and 35 deputies were found to be stealing millions of dollars from drug dealers. 
Mm, that's F- why. FBI had even captured a sergeant and two narc detectives who were taking $30,000 from a drug dealer. Now, there's a guy, Darren Hager. He's a deputy from the LA Sheriff's Department. He was fired for looking too closely into Aljay's disappearance. Huh. A year after his disappearance, Hager arrested a man who offered to become an informant against some meth makers and distributors in the area. On top of informing on that, he gave up a name based on, simply on a rumor of a deputy that was involved in that killing. So separate from Darren Hager, some sheriff deputies started to hear word from biker gangs, uh, their informants, that Aljay stumbled on a meth lab and was killed. Two years later in 2000, a uh, sheriff's deputy homicide detective conducted a three-month investigation and found that another deputy was involved in the drug trade, and this guy was suspected of murdering Aljay. But the homicide captain didn't permit a search warrant and took that detective off the case. Now, I don't know the names of the suspected deputies or if it's all the same guy we're talking about. I don't know that stuff. That same year, Hager was part of a DEA task force for the LASD, and he was told by a then-assistant sheriff that he was to investigate the narcotics for the DEA, and if any information came up about Aljay or any corrupt deputies, that he was to document it, but not investigate it. So write down what you know, but don't look into it. That info was to be handed over to the homicide department of the LASD. So he did that, and after he sent over the documents and info related to that stuff, he was subject to an 11th month investigation by Internal Affairs, and then he lost his job. So he thinks that was a retaliation against the Sheriff's Department, I guess. I, I don't really... That one I can't follow because he was working through the Sheriff's Department with the DEA, so I couldn't tell if the Sheriff's deputies were firing him in retaliation for working with the DEA or the opposite way. Anyways, he was fired for looking into the Aljay case. Uh-huh. He was later rewarded money when he sued them, but no information about corrupt deputies or Aljay came to light. So the two-year-long undercover meth bust operation is known Operation Silent Thunder. That was a success, but from that, no clues were made about this, the vanishing of Aljay. The other thing uh, is uh, something I've been very interested in for on. some years now. <laughs> missing 411 cases. Oh boy. So if you don't know, Greg's, David... Greg's creepypasta sources online. <laughs> if you're not aware, David Politis is a former cop and now the foremost investigator into missing 411 cases, which cover mysterious disappearances in the wilderness areas under unusual but patterned circumstances. Uh, n- unusual, not spooky. Spooky, though. Spooky! Oh, my God. You haven't even seen the two documentaries about it, have you? <laughs> this is a thing that happens throughout the country, but most notably in national park areas. Yosemite maybe being the highest in missing 401 cases. When I talk about unusual pattern circumstances, dogs unable to track scents, the time, which is late afternoon, victims, when they are found, their clothing and footwear are removed. If bodies are found, they are found in previously searched areas, sometimes just off the trail. The missing persons are often experienced outdoors people. Politis disqualifies cases if there's any sense of foul play, like... Like, if it looks like an animal attack or a murder or a suicide, he won't investigate it. Politis he is, won't investigate yeah, it? Yeah, he won't, because he's... So he'll only investigate fake things? He'll only investigate mysterious disappearances in national park areas where there's no explanation for... Okay? Spooky. It's spooky. No, look, this guy is not Mulder. He's the guy, the paranoid guy is Mulder goes to. His three friends the yeah. smoking gunman the smoking man is his own guy oh you're right what are these called? they, they had their a spin-off show for a while and you have to watch did they yeah oh, for like well, a season i was so excited well, once i get through the next 14 seasons of the x-files i'll go on to that i wanted to like it so bad and i didn't and i was sad <laughs> the spooky boys the spooky boys politis is convinced though that this is a missing 401 case otherwise we'd have a body his whole thing with missing 401 is that he doesn't give you a conclusion he's not like it's aliens or it's bigfoot he just gives you the information and lets you come to your own conclusion <laughs> problem but with the politis, first letter of every sentence spells out bigfoot yeah 
Yeah. The thing with him, though, I didn't know until I looked up into this case, was that before he did this, he was a Bigfoot hunter. <laughs> and I thought he had so much credibility for being a former cop, but he leaves out the part where he used to hunt Bigfoot. He was a Bigfoot cop. Yeah. But missing 401, he could have just slipped into an area that is no longer visible to us, which is how cryptids come in and out of our existence. Um, See, you made it spooky. I this didn't was make all it spook- This was all a Halloween episode, and you I, made it. You came in here and made it spooky. I our Halloween in, episode. I, mean, I typed in missing 401 Los Angeles. Jonathan Alchase's name came up. I said, I'm going to look into that. And then I found a meth lab by accident. <laughs> All right. So I went into this looking for spooky. I found spooky. By the way, you're making, lab, you're making really me spooky. now want to watch not only the X-Files, but Breaking Bad also. What if? A crossover <laughs> what between if? the two. What if? Now hear me out. Boomhauer selling meth. <laughs> but Ursula is an FBI agent. Ursula Buffet. Today, news hasn't gotten any better for his family. His wife, Deborah, has been living out of a car for two years with her dog. And just this March, March of 2020, his daughter, Chloe, died. Uh-oh. They were never able to get closure on Jonathan's disappearance. Why Why did she die? I couldn't figure that out. Mm. I found a bunch of obituaries, but they didn't, obituaries don't say how someone dies it just they says, don't maybe it wasn't obituaries maybe it was like memorials from family members huh. a lot of kind words but no information but yeah he went into devil's punch bowl and never came out the wilderness is so big it's so easy to get lost if you go off trail which is why they tell you don't go off, go off the trail. trail but i think that 1998 to 2000 that's what 20 years no yeah 1998 to 2000 that was about 20 years 2020 you're saying oh yeah, yeah you're right you're right, you're right right. 22 years am i doing my math right i always the other day i saw something was made in 1984 and i couldn't figure out how old it was i couldn't figure out how many years had passed and then i thought i was born in that thing must be really old <laughs> it must be ancient what's uh, that like 20 years <laughs> what's that like he just turned 16 i'm convinced that you find something yeah that is i mean like nobody just like no bone like animals don't eat bones you find something yeah, you bosco the dog give a dog a bone but i mean if you're consistently searching you would see like oh there's vultures or something yeah over this spot i don't know i have no idea how search and rescue works but also i can understand just disappearing in the wilderness i've never been devil's punch bowl so i'm always like like if you say oh a person went missing in yosemite i would think yeah that would be hard because you can't helicopter over it yeah because this... there's trees right also like if you stand out and you just look there's all these trees and bushes in your way and but devil's punch bowl is sort of an open space it's it's more open there's but then like... if it's an open space you see the meth lab <laughs> unless it's some like a lost situation where yeah. there's a hatch and or maybe or, you just like slip into this like area where there we go say, so like, hang on a pocket i'm with the fbi hang on let's just say that there's pockets out there let's between. just say that the pocket is out there and leave it at that if you go to certain untouched areas let's say a mothman might come in and out of and let's say sometimes someone might walk into it not knowing it and can't get back to this area I'm not gonna say dimensions okay i'm not gonna say portals I'm keeping the scientific i'm yeah. not gonna use the word dimension i'm gonna be very uh, vague. just to use dementia which is what you have but let's get to the last one here this is a big one i didn't know about until a few years ago did you know about these no i thought that you were talking about the family they end up finding in the desert but it's not them let's do it just like last time i'm gonna start with the incident and then kick it off with my witticisms again this one took place in october too october 13th 1982 a resident of northridge noticed that her neighbor's pool was overflowing so she went to tell them but nobody was home eventually the police were called but when they went inside the house to check on them nobody was in there a husband wife and two kids were gone with no forced entry, nothing stolen, nothing broken, except for a couple pieces of carpet that were ripped up and some blood stains. Jesus. This family was never seen again. Salomon 
I hardly knew a man. Jesus Christ. You didn't need to. Like, you don't always need to. You know that, right? Look, I don't want to get to X-Files, but we are being <laughs> manipulated by some dark forces, and I'm <laughs> required to do that. The dark forces are just like gas in the air. They mess with your brain, they're, they're and they make you think you're hearing things. It's just gas, gas in the apartment. I'm Scully. I'm Scully. I'm the little hottie. Who <laughs> <laughs> um, only gets better with age. That's me. Yeah, you're Mulder, who did not get better with age. So this is the story of the disappearance of the Salomon family, okay. not the mixed days. Uh, so let's start when Sa- Saul, so hard, Saul Salomon met a woman named Elaine at a bar in Hollywood in 1971. He had come to LA a year before that from Israel, as had she, and not long after they started dating, they moved into a condo in Reseda, and then they were married. As it goes, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes a condo in Reseda. He drove taxis and sold encyclopedias. That's a very 80s job. I know. No, this is the 70s. Oh. So he drove taxis, sold encyclopedias, and she had a daughter from a previous marriage but they all moved into a house together in Northridge so this is what's weird because we went to this house because I wanted to see it just a, a week you ago. wanted to do the thing that Jake Gyllenhaal does at the end of Zodiac or you want to walk the beat and look I needed to know but here's the weird thing this house is at 19232 Lassen which is right across from Nobel Middle School the middle school I went to and more specifically right across the street from my homeroom so as it turns out I was probably staring at this house through the open door of homeroom for years and I had no idea. Something just calling me. I have that with the uh, the apartment where Marion Parker was killed. Yeah, you, you loved that building and yeah. then you found out. It's very upsetting when you find out these things. Now it's the late 70s and I'm in middle school. I just bought a tech deck. And I'm super innocent of all crimes. Well, I was in homeroom at the time. <laughs> so Saul was now 35 years old and owned the Apollo Fire Extinguishers Company, which refilled fire extinguishers. Elaine was a stay-at-home mom who also volunteered as a counselor at a local clinic. Her daughter, Michelle, was 15 and had graduated from Nobel and was going to Granada High School and hung out at the Northridge Mall, as any good Valley child is required to do. And they also had a son named Mitchell, who was doing great at being nine years old. Good job, Mitch. (laughs) Way to go, Mitch. The family seemed pretty happy, and they had a nice house, as any kid in my homeroom could tell you. (laughs) And they seemed to be all set with money, and they had a lot of nice cars. But there was also a family friend, and his name was Harvey Raider. That's a bad guy's name. Like, Dexter Banner is a hero name Harvey, Harvey Raider. Ra- is this a bad is Dexter Banner's arch nemesis. Yeah. He looked like John Belushi. Which, <laughs> also <laughs> looks like a bad guy. I think we found our criminal <laughs> and had come to the Valley from England in 1978 and now owned Mr. Motors of London car dealership and repair shop in Reseda. The two addresses were 7347 and 7528 Reseda Boulevard where the showroom and the repair shop were which are still I think showrooms and repair shops. <laughs> and to make this story even more about me Raider himself lived in Granada Hills at either 17545 Orna Drive or 12320 Lithuania Drive. Again, about me. That's where my family's from. <laughs> now, Saul got into a sort of business arrangement with Raider, where Saul would go to use luxury car auctions, and then Raider would fix up the cars he bought, and then sell them, and they would split the profits. Okay. So this takes us to October 12th, 1982, the night of the incident, whatever might have happened. According to Raider, he and Saul were going to a car auction in Rosemead, so Saul left home at 6pm in his van to meet Raider at Mr. Motors to go to the auction. After it was over, Saul asked Raider to drop him off at an Israeli restaurant on Ventura Boulevard and gave him the keys to his van to drive back to his house for him from the dealership where he could drop off the keys with his wife and then get the keys from her to his Mercedes which needed to be repaired at Raider's shop. So it was just, I don't know how he planned 
second to get home, but yeah. that's like the you're on the island with the fox and a head of lettuce. Yeah. If you pick up two pairs of keys, then the <laughs> one car breaks down. I don't get it. Oh, you kill the fox. You make the fox disappear. At around 11.30 p.m. that night, Elaine, was the wife, was on the phone with her friend when a knock was heard and she said, Harvey is at the door. And then she hung up. Like I said, that's the moment. That's the moment. That's the moment. Harvey's at the door. That was the last anyone ever heard of them. Like I said, the next day, the neighbor in the cul-de-sac behind them noticed that their pool was overflowing. When they went over to tell them nobody was home, so they called the police who looked around the outside and in the infinite expertise of the police, they said, everything seems fine here. Jesus. Other than the water going into their pool and their cocker spaniel mishmish was left in the backyard. Oh my God. That's a, that beats Bosco for dog <laughs> names. Put them in a pit together. Let's find out who wins. You know what they call that? Huh? A Michael Scully? Vick special. Yeah, I call that science. <laughs> the friends insisted something was wrong and convinced the police to go inside, but what was inside was just as ordinary. Nothing was stolen, nothing was broken, and the doors were locked. The only thing that seemed strange was that the alarm wasn't on, but as they looked a little bit closer, like I said, there were some blood stains in the daughter's room on the mattress and the walls with some pieces of the carpet. They had been cut out and covered up with a bathroom rug. What's more, they noticed the daughter's bed was broken a little bit and there were some bed sheets missing. Jeez. Obviously, something was wrong here, so they contacted the family of the Salomons in the area and Elaine's cousin came right over and noticed that everything just seemed too perfect. Even the master bed was made. But wait, Elaine never made the bed, so she would never have done that. Yeah. What was even stranger was that while the cousin was there, the phone rang. It was Raider. She asked him, they're missing. Do you know where they were? And his best guess was that they probably went on vacation. But that couldn't be because they would have told them and also their bags were all still there. And then things got really weird when he asked her if she knew where the guns were. And she said, what guns? And he said, never mind. I think we have a suspect. John Belushi in the lineup. <laughs> One day after this, Raider was questioned by the police who found Saul's Mercedes in the Mr. Motor garage, which Raider explained was there for repairs. But then they also noticed he had scratches all over his hands, which he also explained were from doing the repairs on the car. Your dad was a mechanic. mechanic. He did never he have... came home with scratches. Mm. But did he do Mercedes's? Oh, that's the, the scratchiest there. of yeah, cars. No, the They're so itchy. Mercedes. Is that German itchy engineering. <laughs> so then just three days later on the 17th, a Caltrans worker was working along the Antelope Valley Freeway. He found passports, wallets, and photos belonging to the Salomon family. And it became very clear that something was very wrong. And everything we knew about the Salomon family and Raider got flipped turned upside down. To start, there was more to Raider than it seemed, of course. When he came to the United States, he had said on his application that he had no criminal record. As it turns out, he had actually been convicted of crimes 13 times for things like breaking and entering armed robberies, including shooting a delivery man, and he had been in prison nine times wow. in England. Then when he first came to LA, he lived with a friend who was the chauffeur for the Sheikh Mohammed Al-Fassi of the Saudi royal family, which I kept reading in my notes as Shrek Mohammed <laughs> Al-Fassi, which is the new that's the new entry into the shrek of the, the reboot it translates better overseas <laughs> this sheik lived in beverly hills whose house mysteriously burned down on new year's eve 1980 Whoa. with several valuable things mysteriously missing from the rubble police suspected raider and his friend of robbing the place and then setting the fire to cover it up but raider was granted immunity from this for testifying against his own friend meanwhile the salomon family were no babes in the woods either to start their marriage wasn't as stable as it seemed Allegedly, Saul was constantly cheating on Elaine with prostitutes, going to strip clubs on your favorite Sepulveda Boulevard. Woo! You say it. It's your favorite. It's your favorite. And Elaine- I'm wooing Sepulveda. I'm not wooing strip clubs. 
I don't go to them. I don't go to them. I just own them. <laughs> I've got the beliefs of Spooky Molder and the business inclinations of Mr. Gabagool himself, Tony <laughs> Soprano. So Elaine, it turned out, was also having an affair on him. So they were just cheating on each other. Yeah. But that was the least of it. There were allegations that Saul was actually involved in the Israeli mafia, Jeez. which had come under the scrutiny of the LAPD in 1979 when they killed and dismembered a couple in the Bonaventure Hotel after a cocaine deal went bad and scattered their body parts all over the San Fernando Valley. Oh my God. Uh, supposedly, Saul's role in the mafia was making and transporting silencers in his work vans and was also in possession of several Uzis, which adds up when you think about that call Raider had made to the house the day after the they guns. disappeared. And also a friend of the daughters who lived down the street said that one day her dad had come home after visiting Saul and was freaked out because Saul showed him a display of illegal guns wow. in his house. And this little girl actually was supposed to have been sleeping over on the night of the disappearance, but for some reason she decided to cancel. That's your spooky part. That's spooky. They're spooky. Just a couple years ago, she wrote this really good article in LA Magazine about her lifelong struggle to try to cope with what happened to yeah. her friend. Other than the guns, Saul also owned some apartments in Van Nuys that he used in some sort of insurance scam, and apparently they had stacks of cash hidden behind picture frames in the house just in case. But still, this was all circumstantial and hearsay and didn't really amount to much, but the obvious suspect here was John Belushi, yeah. Raider, but of course he swore he had nothing to do with this and his house was searched but nothing suspicious at all was found, but the more they looked at it, the less Raider's timeline of that day made any sense at all. To start, he said Saul met him at Mr. Motors around 6 to go to the auction that night, but the auction had ended at 5pm mm. in Rosemead. Then he said he dropped Saul off at a restaurant afterwards, but as it turns out, that restaurant wasn't open that day. Mm. Then he said, here's the third strike, that when he dropped off the van at the house after Afterwards and taking the Mercedes for repairs, he got the keys out of the mailbox and never went to the door. But you remember Elaine's friend was on the phone when she said Raider is at the door. Yeah. So not a single part of his version of the story that day added up. But again, there was no concrete evidence anywhere. There wasn't any blood in the Mr. Show Motors. Me the body. Show me Habeas corpus. Show me the body. Show me the body. <laughs> there wasn't any blood in the Mr. Motors office or anything like that. There was nothing. By all logic, the Salomon family had just disappeared into thin air and the police couldn't do anything for a whole year. Jeez. But then Raider's cousin got involved. A man named Ashley Paul, Raider's cousin, had been in LA during all this, but had moved back to England shortly after. But about a year after the disappearance, he started talking to Scotland Yard for some reason. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure if he was afraid the LAPD would eventually come to him or yeah. if Scotland Yard would extradite him to the LAPD. Or as Paul himself claimed, he said the Israeli mafia was threatening him revenge for Saul's death. But whatever the reason, he was now offering information about the incident to the authorities in exchange for immunity and protection. At first, he said he wasn't involved, but he knew what happened. But then his story changed to say that Raider did, in fact, kill them, and he helped his cousin move the bodies. Wow. The LAPD, of course, wanted to talk to him. So some detectives, the lead detective on this case was named Larry Bird. <laughs> We, you should know that going forward. <laughs> I don't want to spring this on you later. But the detective's name is Larry I don't mean Bird. to kill the mood, but Larry Bird got involved. And it was a slam dunk case. I hope you know that in my head it's now cast as Larry Bird. Detective well, Larry Bird. We'll talk about the casting for this later. Some detectives went, Larry Bird included, went all the way to England. He went all the way from downtown <laughs> to England to convince him to come back to testify and promised he would have immunity if he did so. In October 
October 1983, he did, and this is what he said happened. Also, I didn't know that detectives, the LAPD detectives go international. To solve an LA crime, I imagine they would. I guess so, but like, it just feels weird. Like, they should yeah. be bound by the city limits. Yeah, they shouldn't have European vacations where they also yeah. investigate crimes. American detectives, European vacation. <laughs> Detective with European vacation. <laughs> this is Larry Bird on the Tower Bridge. Um, Slam dunk, Larry Bird. This is what the cousin said. A while before the disappearance, Saul had given Raider a $20,000 loan for his car dealership, but Raider had never repaid it, so Saul was pissed off. Then on the evening of October 12, 1982, Saul stormed into the dealership and went into Raider's office, and in front of Paul, another car dealer named Gerald Baxter and two unnamed Italian men demanded the money from Raider, to which Raider responded by shooting Saul in the head in front of all of these witnesses. Raider then put the body in the trunk of a Rolls Royce and told Paul to drive him and the two Italians in Saul's van to Saul's house, where everybody but Paul went inside and proceeded. Here, a little bit of a trigger warning here. They went into the house, smashed the wife's skull against their marble bar top. They then beat the son to death with a baseball bat and strangled the daughter to death. He said Raider did this because they were the last ones to see Saul and knew he was going to Mr. Motors to talk yeah. to him about the money so he didn't want any evidence linking him to this. This all took 15 minutes after which the three men came out, gave Paul the keys to Saul's Mercedes, told him to pop the trunk and then went back into the house. They then came out with three large figures wrapped up in bed sheets and put them in the trunk and then went back in again. This time they came out with a trash bag full of stuff that Paul happened to see included a receipt for something that cost several hundreds of dollars or maybe it was several thousands. Actually, I think it might have been 20000 thousand dollars the amount that Saul had given to Raider. They left the house and the next night Raider made Paul drive him and the Italians to the desert near Acton to bury the bodies and the job was done. Not long after this confession Raider was arrested by the LAPD but Paul remembered where the bodies were so they needed to find them in order to convict Raider. Habeas Carpus! (laughs) So on November 14th Paul led the police to the area he said the bodies were found and they found nothing. Jeez. They then went to the spot where Paul said they buried the sheets they used to wrap the bodies and dug up some sheets that a family member did later confirm belonged to the Salamans, but there was actually even more to the story than anybody actually suspected. You see, the Salamans weren't the only missing people in connection to Raider. No, there was another. There actually a couple others. A couple named Peter and Joan Davis had also disappeared mysteriously on March 17th, the same year the Solomons did. When the police were finally called to their house to investigate, their sliding glass door was open and their dinner was still on the stove, but their luggage, pet dog, I don't know that dog's name, and a very valuable painting by Thomas Gainsborough were missing. Oh, and also Peter and Joan themselves were missing. The only clues they had was their Thunderbird was found parked in a lot at LAX and some words that Joan had told their son a few weeks earlier that if they ever disappeared to go to her safety deposit box right away. So this is two families that disappeared within a few months of each other in the same general quiet part of the valley. But again, let's look a little bit deeper. Peter was an art dealer, but wouldn't you know it, he was also British. He was also (laughs) British. And he also lived in Granada Hills and you'd never believe it. He lived right next door to Paul, the cousin. And boy, the coincidence just keep on coming. Davis happened to have organized crime connections and also sold stolen art. Strangely enough, that Gainsborough painting they had in their home, turns out it had been stolen a decade earlier in Cheshire, England. Here's another coincidence. Davis also sold classic cars and cousin Paul happened to be one of his salesmen and one of his business partners in the car world 
Harvey Raider. Jeez. Cousin Paul divulged the truth of what happened to the Davises as well. He said Raider wanted that painting the Davises had, so he wanted his cousin to help set them up for a robbery to get them arrested, and then he'd take the painting, but the cousin refused. Raider then asked his cousin to come with him to the Davis house to test out a Corvette he was thinking of buying. So they drove around a little, the three of them, and then when they got back into Davis's garage, Raider wanted to show Davis something in the engine, so he took him over and told Paul to rev the engine, and right when he did it, he shot davis in the head paul then ran out of the garage past davis's wife who was just coming home and the next day raider made him help bury the bodies back in 1983 the day after the search in the desert for the salamons paul then led the cops to try to find the davises but he said it had been such a rainy night he couldn't remember exactly where they were other than it was somewhere past magic mountain but guess what it didn't end there either no there was yet another a couple months before the davis incident in january 1982 a businessman named ron Ronald Joseph Adib from Burbank told his family he was going to see a man about a car in, you guessed it, Reseda. And he was never seen again, other than his car was found parked once again in a lot at LAX. And wouldn't you know it, it turns out Adib was an investor in Raider's company. Oh my God. Paul had no idea where this body was, but he insisted Raider had also murdered him. So this is now seven missing persons, all linked to Raider, and all the stories made sense. Paul said that this was Raider's pattern. He'd scam people like this out of their money or belongings, and then he'd kill them when they started questioning it. But if that were the case, how come everywhere Cousin Paul, the man who was supposedly there for all of this, sent them to find the bodies, no body was ever found, or suddenly he had forgotten or didn't know where the body was? On top of that, the spot where he claimed the Solomons were buried was a pretty regularly visited area. So in that whole year since they had gone missing, it's pretty unlikely nobody would have seen something yeah like there would be like a hand like something would be there the cops decided to give paul a lie detector test just to be safe they gave him four lie detector tests he failed every single one of them so everything i just told you might not have happened (sighs) now they were back to square nothing they had nothing to go on they had no bodies they still had no evidence and now the witness and motive they thought was a lock all turned out to be unreliable and it might have been a lie i don't trust lie detector test results though so i'm still on i'm still on I'm still, side. I'm, yeah, I'm still on the guy who probably helped kill him side. <laughs> the man he said was in the office when Saul was shot wasn't actually there, and there actually were never any nameless Italians. He admitted, I made that all up. So there's your there, oh, there's fair, your reliable fair, okay. witness. So again, nobody knew what happened to the Salamans or the Davises or Adib for that matter. On November 21st, 1983, they were forced to release Raider from custody due to lack of evidence. But the next day, they figured maybe we can't get Raider, but this cousin just admitted to aiding in a murder. So yeah. let's charge him at the very least. Yeah. Two problems. First off, he just failed four lie detector tests. So did any of this happen? Second, he had been promised immunity for anything he right. told them. They tried to evoke this due to some confusion between the terms transactional and use immunity yeah. in his contract, but the court said they couldn't because of this terminology which they claimed the police were using to mislead Paul. Side note, Paul's lawyer here, the woman who would go on to defend Eric Menendez. Oh my god. Uh, the one who coddled them? She's got a great track record. <laughs> the whole thing got very confusing, but here's how the cards lay after this. Raider was free, cousin Paul was free, and ran back to England never to return. All those people were missing, and there was no evidence anywhere, and this whole story story and the testimony got sealed in a secret court document for five years so that's what happened after it was a debacle it was a disaster the case was ice cold and nobody knew what happened the relatives of the salomon family were disgusted they felt the police had completely bungled the whole thing and acted like buffoons Mm -hmm. they said that one of the cops was eating food out of the pantry 
in the house while it was an active crime scene. Great. Can I dip this in this red stuff <laughs> on the wall? They said the cops had found Saul's Mercedes at Mr. Motor that they were pretty sure had the bodies in the trunk, but yeah. the cops never inspected it. When they were selling the house a year later, it turned out there were even bigger bloodstains under the kids' beds that the cops had never found. Hey, don't blame Larry Bird. <laughs> he went to England to try to solve this yeah. thing. It tore the family apart, and since there were no remains, they couldn't even have a Jewish burial for them to get some closure on this. Elaine's mom put out a $10,000 reward for any information, but nobody had any. And in 1985, the courts just gave up as well and pronounced the Salomons legally dead. But then in December 1986, Raider was finally deported for having lied on his immigration papers when he first came to the U.S., but just three months after that, he tried coming back into the United States under a fake name. <laughs> I'm John Belushi, <laughs> for which he was immediately arrested and sent to state prison. But Detective Larry Bird just couldn't shake this case. And yeah. he knew deep down, this is a slam dunk. That even though... All this is a three-pointer. This is a game of horse. That's all I know about basketball. I can't go any further. He knew that even though all the evidence was circumstantial, that Raider had murdered the Salomon family. He was sure of this. He said Raider even looked like a con man from old British movies. Quote, right down to the teeth and Raider coming back into the country and going to federal prison just reignited his quest here he was yeah. sure Raider had planted those passports they found on the side of the road to throw them off of the real trail and May 13th 1987 he even had the parking lot of the old Mr. Motors ripped up just to see if there were any bodies down there there weren't, but for whatever reason, he still felt he had a strong enough case. So the second Raider got out of federal prison in August 1988, he was once again arrested for murder by the LAPD, and this time he was going to court. His first trial began May 6, 1989, and he faced the death penalty, but the jury deadlocked 11 to 1 because one of the jurors wasn't even sure the Salomons were dead because there's habeas corpus. Yeah. So this ended in a mistrial. The second trial was on January 4, 1990, and it lasted one day before it ended in a mistrial because of a conflict of interest amongst the lawyers. Then came the third trial in 1992. This time Raider was being represented by, you guessed it, the lawyer who represented Lyle Menendez. <laughs> I want the other one. Yeah. This person also represented one of the Rampart cops. Oh boy. So their strategy this time was to focus on those doubts that one of the jurors had in the first trial. If there's no body, how can we be sure they're dead? Maybe the Salomon staged their own disappearance. So they brought in three... Maybe they staged their own blood. Yeah, maybe they just bled a little that yeah. day. They brought in three dubious witnesses who claimed they saw Saul in Carpinteria a few days after he disappeared, and the strategy worked. There just wasn't enough evidence to convict, despite an employee of Raiders who had asked Raider after the disappearance what he thought happened, and he said, uh, Saul, he found himself a place in the Mojave, two by two and one half by six. So okay. still not enough evidence. No. And so Raider was acquitted and was never tried again for what happened. What he did do was sell the rights to the story to get a TV movie made with Angela Lansbury playing Elaine's mom. Wow. And Larry Bird as Larry Bird. But that never happened. So the question remains, how hard is it to make a movie in Hollywood? <laughs> what happened to the Salomons? Are they actually dead? If the bodies are out there in the desert, they were most likely mummified in the sand, so it wouldn't be too hard to find them unless they were thrown in one of the old mine shafts out there. Occasionally, the Sheriff's Department still looks in that area for any signs, but nothing has ever been found. Or maybe Saul was an intelligent 
intelligence spy for Israel and got called back home. Or maybe the family got taken away by witness protection. But if that were the case, the government wouldn't have allowed Raider to be put on trial for murder in the first place. So nobody will ever know for sure what happened. But let me just say this. Raider did it. <laughs> There's no way he didn't do it. There's no way he didn't yeah, do it. Those teeth, the John Belushi look, those yeah, teeth. Yeah, he was growing Uzis out of his mouth. Pulled off a tooth, it was an Uzi. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird that the house was literally literally facing my homeroom in middle school because you know what's weird when we move when my parents moved into the house they live in now i remember we were looking i was with them we were i'm their financial advisor (laughs) when i was in fifth grade but we were looking in that area and i remember them saying i don't know if it was in the house we were in or just in the neighborhood they said someone was murdered in this house and i'm wondering if we almost moved into that house oh you can get it on cheap if you're okay with sleeping in the daughter's room yeah there's a few pieces of the carpet missing but (laughs) it's very weird yeah, it's, it's, very it's upsetting weird. when these things are so close to yeah. your home some would say it's spooky uh, uh i would say uh, weird I'd say, no I, i'd say downright spooky spookified uh, you said mummies <laughs> in the desert spookalicious yeah <laughs> if you're trying to tell me this isn't spooky you shouldn't bring up <laughs> mummified corpses in the but thing. they they were almost werewolfified in the <laughs> desert that's awful yeah it but again like what happened the thing is that like if they did die they could be buried literally anywhere and yep. if they did just leave they could literally be anywhere, anywhere like yeah. Uh, that's that's the beautiful thing about a body alive or dead it could be anywhere you want to have a talk down after that uh, um you want to get spooky here <laughs> for a second for only one second since this whole thing hasn't been spooky <laughs> and then we'll put a pin in the spooky until december people hey go look, missing. people go missing uh, and it's terrifying you never know these, yeah. these families never know and they never got closure on this that's really it's just like it's one thing for it like for gertrude silver to go down in a plane crash like that's one thing yeah. but harvey raider's still alive mm-hmm. he might still be living in los angeles yeah. and did you kill these people? Like, did you ruin this family? Because I, I was trying to look him up online and I think I might have found his phone number. Jesus. I was going to have him on. For yeah, you know, he, he passed the test with Larry Bird, but has he passed the test with Daniel Zaffer? Yeah. Or my detective name, Shaquille <laughs> O'Neal, or Melissa's detective name. Her nickname is Magic and her last name is Johnson. So Her first name is Magic Johnson. Her last name is Scotty Pippen. The old nickname, Michael Jordan. And that's where my basketball name is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 weird, but, but it's not weird. spooky. It's spooky. You know what the spookiest part is? That I won't let you call it spooky. They won't let me call it spooky. Stuff left behind, like the uneaten salad with the lights on. Yeah, uh, food on the stove. Food on the, yeah, food on the stove. Yeah, it's weird. Like the Los Feliz murder house. I mean, we know what happened there, but it's yeah. still just like a time capsule. Exactly. The dog sitting by the pool waiting mm-hmm. to be fed. The dog sitting by the pool that's overflowing. That's spooky. Uh, it's strange for sure. So I would say it's still <laughs> spooky. It's all together ooky, yeah. but it's not spooky. So that's been our October episode. Have a have as good of a Halloween as you can. There's some yeah. drive through things going on that sold out immediately but um i'll be driving through carroll street like i always do yeah uh, maybe i'll see some of you there in a car trick-or-treating car to car i'm gonna drive my car up to your car <laughs> they say don't do trunk or treats but if we just touch trunks we back into each other trunk or treat trick-or-treating for cars is getting their batteries jumped it's not going door to door to get gas a you fun size amount of gas door. but yeah have, have as much fun as you can yeah feel free to get spooky not during this episode yeah but, yeah, uh, yeah yeah hey as i always recommend there's lots of locations where horror movies were filmed in la i say go check the Go Halloween see this, house Now's out. the time. I swear to God, if you promote the Halloween house one more time on this podcast. Me and my dog go walking there every day. I try to get a good picture of him. He won't He won't do it. He's, he, he's he, more of a Friday the 13th fan. Can you take me to Lake Crystal Lake or whatever? <laughs> Lake Crystal Lake. Uh, so yeah, have a happy hood. And uh, stay safe. Wear a mask 24-7 now. Yeah, because, um, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs>
because you know i'm hungry and i've run out of things to say <laughs> keep being safe everybody yeah. uh we'll see you in november for your listener fueled questions send yeah. us all of your answers do you have any final words well this has been a spookiest episode yet <laughs> i dare say this I is dare say. <laughs> this has been our most logical episode yet oh your birthday's in two days everybody yeah. say happy birthday to this moron happy birthday it's to also this our moron. seventh Yes, comedy seventh year birthday. Yeah, and podcast and podcast is shortly after that. Is it is the August? It's November is when it first was released, but we did it in like October, I think. So the next episode is the anniversary episode. It sure is. Seven years anniversary, Mister Bad Podcast. (laughs) Okay, that's that's enough of this. I'm starving. We'll see you uh, next time, and uh, as always, that's been yet another episode of La Meekly. Car, 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 car. <laughs> Since 2013. Yeah, I want to get one the, more real one. I know, they've, they've been replaced by the owls for the night. <laughs> owls with crow feet sticking out of their mouths. <laughs> <laughs> really chubby owls. <laughs>